Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Another Film Podcast. My name is Matt. My name is Tierney. And my name is Colin. And today, on this new episode, I know Tierney reacted when I said a new episode of Another Film Podcast. Yeah, it was really weird. Yeah. But on this particular (laughs) new episode of Another Film Podcast, we have our dear friend of the pub, uh, first-time guest, and also... My roommate, Freddie Fareed. Woo! Introduce yourself, Yay. Freddie. Hi. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Hi, me welcome. listening to this later. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, this is uh, this is your first guest appearance of many uh, to come. Oh well, thank but... you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I love this movie. I love y'all. Yeah. Off to a great start. Off to a great start, everyone. I'm going to cry. This is an emotional podcast. We're doing Sophie's Choice. Um, but no, we're, uh, the, this very special episode is also a holiday episode. A bonus holiday pub. A bonus holiday pub. Uh, and very appropriate because when you think of 4th of July, you probably think of all the terrible things America's done. Or you think of the classic Steven Spielberg blockbuster that started all blockbusters, Jaws, um, which is the movie we are doing this week, is Jaws. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I invited Freddie to be our guest because Freddie and I have talked about Jaws. Uh, I, guess I'll, I guess this is like a natural way to roll into talking about our experience with it, but I hadn't seen Jaws until yesterday. Shameful. <laughs> so, Shameful. Uh, yeah. Freddie has shamed me, uh, but we had talked about it, and I was you're, like, well. You're lucky, though. What'd you think? Oh, it's as good as everyone says. Like, it really is as much of, like, the kind of movie that would start blockbusters in a way where you're watching, and you're like, God, this is so thrilling in so many ways that, like, movies hadn't tried to be it feels like before this one um so yeah i mean i obviously know of jaws i've known about bruce the big shark um i <laughs> not finding the nemo song. <laughs> no the no, name of the shark bruce is, is the name of the mechanical shark yeah oh, oh okay but also yeah. Yeah. it's also yeah. the name of the shark and finding <laughs> yes. nemo which is a reference <laughs> to jaws yes. yeah okay. yeah yeah <laughs> um and so like i this is such a cultural touchstone that it's almost like a given that everyone has seen Jaws. Um, but unfortunately, I hadn't. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's so many things, there's so many elements that I'm excited to talk about that, like, I didn't, if you don't see them, if you haven't seen the movie, you don't, like, understand some of the dynamics that are at play. Um, I was just aware of, like, keep the beaches open, and that's about it. And, uh, yeah, I thought it, it's really a remarkable movie and a, just a thrill to watch. And, uh, yeah, I mean... I get, who wants to go I think next we should go to there? Tierney next because Tierney also okay. so I pushed hard for this movie we were talking about what we wanted to watch you can uh, go it's next been a, no I'm just okay can I can go, go if, if, yeah I just we were talking about what we wanted to watch it's been a little while since we've recorded and I threw out Jaws because I was like oh the timing would work out really well like we could record we could edit and we could post it on July 4th which I think would be really fun um, and also, Matt and Tierney have never seen this fucking movie, and I need Matt and Tierney to watch this movie. So, so uh, yeah, I, I love Jaws. I 
the first time I saw it, I was probably like 10 ish. Um, you know, back before PG 13 existed, this movie was just like a solid PG. <laughs> I definitely watched it probably younger than I should. I mean, it's not like that bad, all things considered, but like I definitely watched this movie younger than I probably should it's have. It's definitely not PG yeah. by today's standards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not at all. yeah. Right. Well, um, PG wasn't invented until 1984. Yeah. So, it was like, invented for the Spielberg <laughs> movie Temple of Doom. Right. Temple of Doom was too aggressive for PG. So anything pre-1984 was G, PG, or R. Yeah. And, it like, it definitely isn't R. It's a PG. It's but, like, solid. it's a I solid PG-13. Mean, PG it's a PG-13. In front of everybody. Yeah, it's dope. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, I was, like, 10 funny. the first time Children's I saw it, and I was movie. like, yikes. <laughs> it is funny to think of the studio being like, listen, Spielberg, we let you put on screen a woman being eaten by a shark, and we gave you a PG. But ripping someone's heart out and saying Kali Ma, that's too <laughs> that's far. Too, a bridge too far. We cannot. We're making a whole new category for you. We're done. But yeah, I, I love Jaws. I think it's an excellent movie. I watch it almost every year on the 4th of July. Um, and so I was very, very excited to watch it again. Um, and yeah, it's, it still holds up. I Every time I watch it, I am continually shocked by how suspenseful it is, even though I've probably seen it 15 plus times in my life. I know exactly what's going to happen, but every single time certain things are like, like, like are happening on screen. I'm just like, oh shit. Like, what, like, oh, are they going to get out of it this time? It's like, of course they're going to get out of it this time. They always get out of it, (laughs) except for Quint. But, um, yeah, I just, I, I love this movie so much and I'm so excited that you guys finally fucking watched it, and I can, we can talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> so. I'm part of. Are you excited or are you also nervous? Oh, I'm nervous. Yeah, Uh-oh. like I, I. <laughs> maybe let's go to Freddie next. Yeah, time. I was gonna say Tierney, Tierney's maybe dropping some hydrogen. Tierney has some some uh, feelings on Steven Spielberg, <laughs> so I am a little nervous about how she's gonna react to this one. So, <laughs> some hot takes. Overrated, she says. What? Um, I mean, maybe. <laughs> yeah, we don't know what's coming. <laughs> Real well, wild card over there. <laughs> I think my my story is um, I did not see this movie until college, which is really late. And I probably seen I mean, this movie. It's not Matt and Colin and I, or yeah. sorry, Matt and right. I late. Yeah, <laughs> I meant for a true film fan, it's really late. It's true, sure. you know. Wow. <laughs> Attacked. Shots fired. Shots fired. <laughs> yeah, I am, don't take anything I say seriously at all. Um, <laughs> No, I probably saw, you know, unlike Colin, I was probably around 20. And what's funny is that when you go to film school, especially when you're at that age between like 18 and 22, you know, a lot of a lot of kids would go to film school and it's like, oh, I discovered Truffaut or Godard or Fellini or like, I really like German Expressionism, Noir. And for me, it was just like, have you seen Jaws? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> they killed it. And... I it was one of those movies where like I saw it in college and I was just like, that's a perfect movie, right? Mm-hmm. Did I get that wrong? It was perfect, and I I remember watching it and just being, uh, again like so surprised that like, this was on film, like everything that kind of came together. It is a beautifully designed movie, like beat for beat, every single story moment, every single shot. I was surprised by how good I thought Spielberg was because I think this is clearly one of his best movies but it's like this is a perfectly directed movie like in every possible way that i could talk about for how shots are composed and what they mean and why and how you're editing one image juxtaposed against another and how that creates the language of cinema like 
Jaws is perfect, but it's also like it. What's it, what's shocking is that like it's an older movie, an older. What what qualifies as an old movie really varies from person to person. Like it really varies. Like if I would ask my mom what's an old movie, she might say like the '30s or the '40s. If I ask Matt, he might say you know '91. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? true. Well, I was born Absolutely in '88, true. so '87. That's an old right, movie. Right. Yeah. 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 And I was born in '86. Star Wars. So clearly it's '86. '86. Yeah. Star Wars is from the beginning of cinema. <laughs> I was born in '46, so. It's like 1940s. Yeah, right. in yeah. Movie. <laughs> but old newsreels for an older movie, Jaws to me strikes me as like the first modern blockbuster. Because mm-hmm. like when you look at a blockbuster, like Gone with the Wind is still like dollar for dollar, like the highest grossing movie ever made, basically. So like that really was yeah, but the blockbuster. it's like boring as shit. It is crazy boring. <laughs> And crazy old, and who cares about the damn South? Like, I, yeah. who yeah, cares? Yeah. You know, like give us and, sharks. Give us sharks. We <laughs> want sharks. Um, but what I what I really remember is that like it wasn't the first time that I saw Jaws that, that I, I I fell in love with it. It was like the second time because I was like, let me make sure this is as good as I think it is. And I was in a class with our friend Chris, and it was a class for adaptation. And the class had, like, a screening portion where, like, oh, you know, see the movie, you can come to this screening, whatever it is. And Chris and I went, and we were, like, the only ones who showed up. And it was, like, granted, I don't know if that's actually true. It's just my recollection. It's, like, no one's here. It's just us. Just two dudes in a theater alone watching Jaws. And it was, like, yes, this is, like, the perfect movie. And it's a movie that I've shared with, like, my best friend. Uh, on, like, the, the weekend, we're, like... Uh, Arrest Development Season 4 dropped. We were really excited. I was over at her house. We are going to watch the show. And we were really let down. Uh, based on, like, the quality of that overall season, we understand that, like, the, the, the actors couldn't all get together. And, like, the story structure was what it was for scheduling. But overall, we were depressed. So I was like, okay, let me show you this instead. <laughs> and I put on Jaws. And, like, watching movies, like, in high school and college with my best friend was the kind of thing where, like, I would look over at her as she's enjoying Die Hard for the first time or enjoying Jaws for the first time. And I was like, yeah, how do I make someone feel like that? Yeah. That's what I want to do. And it's such a great thing to like share these things with people and to have them love it as much as you do. Um, I could just go on and on, so I will stop talking <laughs> now. Somebody take the baton. Tyranny. But I mean, I think, yeah, what everything you said is kind of like the cultural understanding of what Jaws is. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a very interesting shift then to ask Tierney. <laughs> I like how you guys you are just think? all assuming I hate it. Um, I mean, mostly, yeah, just to so I was know, actually, raise the tension. I saw maybe 20 minutes of this movie when I was like 11. The scene from when they're all on the beach and his son gets attacked to uh, sometime when they're on the boat. Uh, yeah. And I just remember it was 4th of July. And it was like on TV, and I just remember being like, <laughs> "This is boring. I want to play outside." Oh my God, it's the worst. <laughs> oh, outside no. has nothing to offer you. Yeah, well, nothing. <laughs> it's part of it is just like who I was as a kid. I was like, I want to sit inside, watch TV. Let's go to the beach. Let's go do something. Anyway, uh, so I was like. Uh, that was all I saw of it, and that whatever mentality I had as an 11-year-old was, like, just how I <laughs> applied it to the whole movie. <laughs> um, that said, I watched it this time, and I thought it was pretty fun. Uh, it 
there are instances of it where I think it's basically just Jurassic Park in the water. Um, sure. Basically, sure, but it's yeah. With like, <laughs> twenty years early, yeah. yeah. But I know that you guys talked about how in the Jurassic Park sequel they wanted to just like there was an option to just turn the dinosaurs into like killing machines, which is essentially what this shark is. Like it's not very realistic. Sure. Uh, but it works. I thought it works pretty well, and uh, yeah, I thought it was really fun. Um, yeah, I was. Do we find a, a Spielberg that Tierney liked? I mean, I like Jurassic is, Park. Is Tierney a Spielberg girl now? No, I think we need to talk about <laughs> no, the fact no, no. that... No, no, no. I think we need to talk about the fact that the shark blows up is the True. happy ending that he gets. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, t- I, I have said, I think before on this pub, a lot of his movies would be a lot better if they ended seven to ten minutes earlier. And sure. And, and this, this one basically ends, ends like, like properly. Yeah, like the the antagonist is gone, and then it's just like, okay, bye. <laughs> like we're yeah. we're done here. <laughs> like, um, but no, I thought it was pretty fun, uh, and the some of the like cinematography stuff I would have learned about, um, but it was like kind of fun to see it in action. Um, Freddie and Colin, you guys both saw this yeah. as kids. Are you guys afraid of sharks? Um. No, but I also just, like, don't go to where sharks live. Like, I'm not, I don't go to the ocean. Like, that's just not a thing that I do. And it's not because I'm afraid of sharks. It's just, like, I'm not that interested in going to a beach. Like, that's just not how I enjoy spending my free time. But I will say, uh, one of the only times I've been scuba diving in my life... Oh, wait, we Freddie, were... you saw it in college, not as a child. I'm sorry. I was, I was very boyish, though, when I was in college. So. Anything could still scare yeah. you, but I'll lie to you. Yeah. Um, we were on the boat, and we were, like, just getting ready to, like, go into the water. And, like, our guide was just like, oh, by the way, like, there might be some nurse sharks here. They're totally harmless. Like, it's okay. But just, like, FYI, it might be there. And so mm-hmm. we were, like... 30, 45 feet down, and we come around this, like, he was just kind of leading us around, and we're all kind of following him. We come around this reef, and there was, like, a 12-foot nurse shark just, like, there, and I did pee my pants, so, you know. <laughs> Good place to do it. I know? mean, yeah, I was like, I was like whatever, but, like, I, there was just, like, a moment of, like, I, he had told me, and I had registered that he said that I would be fine, but, like, you just see that fucking shark, and you're just like, oh, God, like, like yeah. this is how I die. So, yeah, no, I was never, like, afraid of sharks, but there definitely was, like, a good period of time where, like, any time I was in any body of water, like, even, like, fresh water that was fully landlocked, I was like, is a shark going to get me? Is it, is it, like, maybe? Like, maybe there could be a shark in here? Like, probably not, but I don't know. Someone's so abandoned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I was in uh, swimming lessons as a youth, like six or seven years old, I would have at that point already seen most of the James Bond movies. So the only time I have ever in my life been afraid of a shark is in swimming lessons in a swimming pool indoors that sharks would come out of the grates like they do. Oh, sure. In yeah. <laughs> whatever James Bond that is. Um, but I was in uh, Cape Cod last summer, which is like, I think this is filmed in Martha's Vineyard. Basically, yeah, basically where yeah. this movie is set, yeah. Yeah, um, and I know, like, shark populations are rebounding because they've done seal protection, 
Um, but as long as you like don't go really far out, you're fine. Um, but there was a sunfish basking and like when it basks, you just see the fin going through the water. And I was like, Oh my God, (laughs) is this a shark? And like spotted it. Like my friends and I spotted it like way before everyone else. And then like ran up to the water to look. And one of my friends saw Jaws as a small child, terrified. Yeah. And he was like, I hate every moment of this. And I was like, I want to go in the water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this movie had a real opposite effect on you. Were well, you scared of sharks, Freddy? No, I, I want to ride one. Like, I want to oh, ride Jaws. Sure. I just, you know what I mean? Like, I, <laughs> like cool. I, me and Bruce, I want Bruce and I to be buddies. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. that's how much I love Jaws. Um, no, I've never really been afraid of sharks. Um, you know, you always have, like, a cautious respect for, yeah. like, nature yeah. and those kind of animals and stuff like that. Um, it's funny, because I, in general, like, w- and whenever I get in the ocean, it's always like, wow, this is really salty. Why do we do this? Like, this is not yeah. as comfortable and fun <laughs> yeah. as you imagine it is. And mm-hmm. it's way better to, like, hang around the beach and, like, look at it than to, like, be in it and, like, fighting cold currents and all kinds of stuff. So... I'm not really that afraid. I know, like, when I first moved to town, um, I was in Manhattan Beach. It was a beautiful beach here in L.A., and uh, I was on the pier, and I did see a smaller nurse shark, and it was really cool. It must have been just two feet long, probably 30 feet away from somebody, but, like, not a threat at all. They're nurse sharks. They don't really do anything. Um, It was just, it was cool, you know, and I would love to see like a great white like oh, yeah. I, actually i would love to see like a great white like mating because like wouldn't that be something <laughs> like yeah like like look at him go oh man yeah. look at you go congrats buddy You're yeah death it. machine making new life yeah i'm kind of making with you. more death machines yeah i'm with you like uh i always think of sharks the same way you think of like a grizzly bear like they obviously can kill yeah. you, but if you like, you can admire them from a distance. And yeah. as long as you don't like go fuck around in their habitat, you're gonna be fine. Yeah, yeah. You don't look like a seal, which like that's the thing too. I, I felt so sad when that first shark gets caught and they like hang it upside down. I was it's like, brutal. This poor guy. This didn't even do anything. You didn't even get the right ones, you idiot. And that's like, hey. I was like, oh, God, let him go. My mom sent me this article. This is, okay, this is the last time I'll talk about sharks. Um, my mom sent me this article. Don't uh, stop. Doubt it. Last what, what, if it. What if it is the last time she talks about sharks on an episode <laughs> about a movie that is just yeah. about sharks? Like, she just doesn't say anything for the rest of the episode. Um, How about the boats, Tierney? You, like, you, like, you like boats? I do, yeah. <laughs> She's going to cool. spend her entire time talking about Michael's, to- like, present that was a sailboat. <laughs> I actually know. I probably will. I know. I know. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, she's, my mom sent me this article about Cape Cod because people are getting pissed that there's so many sharks. And the main problem uh, with Cape Cod is if you get, they don't eat you, they bite you. And then they're like, whoa, you're not a seal. This isn't what I like. But the thing is that they go through pretty much every important artery, and there is yeah. zero cell service on the Cape. And so people bleed out because you can't get, like, an Yikes. ambulance. And the lifeguards are trained to, like, treat shark attacks, but that's, like, not enough. Anyway, everyone is kind of, like, I feel like you... I guess it's probably a bit divided, but a lot of people are kind of, like, 
in the camp of the people who just killed that other shark where they're just like well let's fucking kill them all but it's mm-hmm. like yeah. it's basically like i think of the ocean as like a forest the deeper out, further out you go the deeper into the forest you're getting yeah. to where it's like maybe if you don't want to get eaten by a shark just like stay close to shore yeah <laughs> totally like these things exist on earth besides us well like, well yeah, before us about like, us so like yeah before we were even close yeah. to being around. Yeah. Like, like 1986. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> before all of us. Have you yeah. guys ever heard of a, is it a Megalodon? Yeah, yeah. of course. Starring Jason sure. Statham, uh, 2018, yeah, okay. 19, somewhere around there. <laughs> okay. Um, no, just me. Okay. They're I making they a sequel. Like... It can be all of us soon. <laughs> I thought they were made up. Like, I thought they were a made-up uh, thing for movies. Re- they were real. Yeah, yeah yes. it was a kind of, like, dinosaur species. Of... Hey, ever, so everyone knew this but me. No. <laughs> I'm we sure some of educated Tierney. people. Yeah. Take your head out of the this... sand, Tierney. There's megalodons out there. God. Dock that boat. Trust that these giant dinosaur sharks once prowled the waters around Pangea. That's probably Just how it worked. Big dinos, yeah. Probs. Chomping on brachiosaurus necks. Um, so here's the thing. I think, here's the yeah, thing. What? Colin, yes. The Meg is no Jaws. The Meg? But the Meg is pretty fun. I thought we were talking and about I think, Jaws. And I think that you guys should watch the Meg, because it's very stupid, but it's very we entertaining. We haven't even talked about <laughs> Jaws yet. And the Meg 2, The Trench... Uh, is coming to a movie theater near you next August, so mark your calendars, baby. <laughs> a modern Spielberg. Um, I, so I think uh, an interesting entry point into the beginning of this movie, or just kind of like the overall conflict that I think is really interesting, is like, so like Tierney said, like those the people on Cape Cod being like, let's fucking kill all the sharks. The conflict of Jaws is not necessarily Jaws. Because mm-hmm. he doesn't really... He's not an obstacle, really. He's just gonna eat when he needs to eat. Which is actual all obstacle, the time. All yeah. the time. If you're in the water, he's coming for you. But, like, the actual conflict is, like, the layers of escalation of people trying to stop Brody from shutting down the beaches on July 4th. And, like, I thought that was so clever... To have it be like, he's like, okay, yeah, shut down the beaches. Like, there's one body, let's shut it down. And then for the mayor to be like, <laughs> what do you think you're doing on July 4th weekend? No way. And then for you to be like, this fucking mayor. But then later for the town hall scene, to be all the people in the town are like, no! And it's like, did you just see the kid get eaten? Do none of you care? But that is, I think, what's so lasting about mm-hmm. this movie. And sadly, very yeah, I was really gonna relevant. say, you guys hadn't seen this movie, but boy, people who were fans yeah. of Jaws living through summer 2020, when it was like, yo, this is a real thing that we need to be nervous about, and everybody was like, but the economy! And I was like, yeah. what the fuck are we doing? We are literally in Jaws right now, what is happening? I mean, like, it's like climate change, too. Yeah, it's like it's all, yeah. like... <laughs> the real enemy is bureaucracy. Even, yeah. Yeah. even... And this I thought was very clever. Uh, whoever the oceanographer guy, I forget his name. He's Matt, also Matt kind of the enemy. Because he obstructs shit, I think. He's helping, but at the same time, he's hindering. 
and that's much like research. It helps, but there's so many fucking loopholes you need to go through that it hinders. Thanks for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me? Um, yeah. Did you have a thought for... Yeah, Freddie. Yeah. What's your thought on this? Besides that Hooper is not a villain yeah, of the like, movie. Like, Maybe worse than Bruce. He's a mini-villain. Yeah. And I think we're, there's, a, there's a couple things we're kind of glossing over that like uh, I just kind of want to address as we're touching on these certain scenes. Yeah. Um, one thing that I have to mention, and Matt, this is kind of going out to you, is like in that town hall kind of scene... Where he's like, let's close the beach. And everyone's like, no, no, I can't close the beach, whatever. And the mayor's like, only 24 hours. There's a voiceover, a la The Simpsons, where someone's like, 24 hours is like three weeks. It's yes. like the funniest thing. <laughs> I heard it, and I was like, that's a great ADR later. To totally, like, yeah. Amp it up. It's like, it's so perfectly funny. But you're right, though. Like, the construction of this movie, to me, I think, for my dramatic purposes, is like perfect. It is this way because the mechanical shark wasn't working. Right. Like, the shark was supposed to be in the movie more, but it wasn't working. They were over budget. Movies like this almost never shot on the ocean. They did. They encountered so many issues with shooting on the ocean, and everything kind of got delayed. Spielberg almost got fired off this movie a dozen times because this was only his second movie. He had directed television, like Columbo, and he directed Duel, which was a movie that was made for TV, I believe. And I can't remember if Sugarland Express was before this or after, maybe before. So is Duel the his... only movie he did before this? Uh, his or only Sugar theatrical Land movie. Express, maybe. I believe Sugarland Express was his first theatrical movie, and this is his second. Because Duel was a guy versus a truck, and it was a made-for-TV movie, so it kind of qualifies as television. Sounds like something Colin would like. <laughs> Duel's not bad. Yeah. Duel's not bad. Um, <laughs> but... You know, Helen loves like, Cars and Fast and the Furious. Those are his like, two favorite franchises. All right. All right. Freddie, as you were, ignore oh, them. Oh, sorry, yeah. Ignore them. Where was I? Oh, yeah. Hooper's the bad guy. <laughs> um, the obstruction. No. Um, like, the way this movie is um, organized, I think it's just kind of, uh, like, dramatically perfect. And where you, you do get this interesting conflict because if, if it was just man versus shark for two hours that would be incredibly boring yeah but the fact like the mayor character mayor larry vaughn who's a great character and love, like the actor crushes it his love wardrobe him. crushes it mm-hmm. um, the first time you see him and he's just in that like blazer with little anchors all over i was like uh, fuck yes this is yes. absolutely <laughs> what a mayor in like fucking New England island shit would wear like it's it's so perfect yeah. absolutely yeah and like what what really works is that like from his perspective he's entirely correct like it's his job to look I mean he's been looking forward to this all year mm-hmm. this is the best time on this island like it's the best time to be a citizen there it's the best time to have a business there like the, like the, the island depends on summer dollars as he says so like what he's doing is completely in the right from his perspective and yes. you get this really organic conflict that's really, really rich. And when you do first meet him, you have that amazing one where the camera keeps rolling and they're on the ferry that moves. Mm-hmm. So you have a constantly changing background. And even the way the actors are staged, as the tension in that scene kind of increases, Brody and the mayor get closer to the camera and the other actors like move back. So you're kind of creating this space between them. So the, the two of them kind of are locked in conflict for... A lot of the movie until like the midpoint of the movie, mm-hmm. and then it kind of shifts more to like, okay, we really have to beat this shark. Yeah, yeah. I was but, gonna say it does become man versus shark 
Absolutely. at a certain point. But there is so much of the movie where the shark is just like a specter that's just like on the periphery, and and then it like is like okay, this is the movie that it is for the from here on out. Yeah, but, yeah, and even like that the idea of, like the shark not really working, it creates. That idea of like, oh yeah, Spielberg is great at reveals, and every great director I think is really great at reveals. They they know they have an ace up their sleeve. When am I going to show it? How am I going to show it? And in a lot of horror movies, because Jaws is an amalgamation of a couple genres. It's it's an action adventure movie. I think more than a horror movie, but it's it is a horror movie. Um, especially if you're younger and you're watching this movie, it's I'm sure very afraid, very scary. But like, you don't want to show. The alien. You don't want to show the shark. You don't want to show like the murderer right away, and you need to pick your battle. So like the way even the movie starts, first impressions really really matter in movies. And like if you're not going to see the shark a lot, having the shark make the appearance to some degree in that first scene for that mm-hmm. first kill is so effective. Yeah. And what's also really amazing for the way the also, movie begins. Also, that fir- party in the first scene seems pretty lit. Yeah, it seems tight. Like that <laughs> seems like wanted, a. That seems like a really. Vibe. A really dope yeah. hang. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. I'd probably be eaten. <laughs> uh, well, to me, like, what I, I have to mention, though, before, you know, you meet the shark, before you meet Brody, who are, you know, the main characters of the movie, the main character of the movie kind of is, like, Amity Island itself. Mm-hmm. It's the way, like, Altman does Nashville and Nashville. It's like the town is a character because in a lesser skilled hand, a lesser director would not be able to handle multiple point of view characters. Yeah. And yeah. the way Jaws opens, you're in the point of view of two teenagers, basically. You're in the point of view of two college kids. You're at this party. But you also, you meet, like, dozens of characters, and a handful of them are point of view characters. And that usually just doesn't really work. And you're telling this fully rich story about this town. And the humor of this town, of, like, casting all these oddball characters who look and sound these certain ways... Even that shark scene where they have, like, the tiger shark, and he's, like, that guy in, like, the army jacket's, like, what kind of shark is it, you know? It's tiger shark. It's a what? Like, it's just, like, <laughs> the best, like, line I readings. took that note down, because yes. I was, like, what an incredible line. A what? <laughs> yeah. It was so funny. I screamed laughing. Like, and there's so many of these moments like that that, like, make this movie endlessly rewatchable and, like, yeah. entertaining from start to finish. Like, I love... Like Spielberg and like the Coen brothers do this really well, where they cast these smaller tertiary roles with really interesting looking and sounding actors. Yeah. And like in the first, in the opening ten minutes of the movie, then like when you're introduced then to Brody, you're led into the scene by like the older woman who's like the secretary, and she's like, the boys have uh, the karate boys have been like karate chopping the fences, <laughs> and you're like picket fences. <laughs> yes, it's like you're awesome, lady. Like I'm digging this movie. Like, and it's like, ah. Oh. Sorry, someone else take the baton. I love this movie too much. The, the I never thought of the Coen Brothers that way, but there's the line in Oh Brother Where Art Thou where he's like, "Where's your mom?" and she goes, "She done R U N N O F T." I like think of that line at least probably once over two months. Um, I mean, the intros in this movie are great, like across the board. Everyone gets a cool introduction that fits their character. Yeah, I um. I like the woman who is, like, she and her husband are friends with the Brodies, I think. They're all, like, on the beach together. And then, like, at one point, um, Ellen Brody is just like, well, when do I become an Islander? And she's like, oh, never. 
if you weren't born here, you're not an Islander. <laughs> and, like, she's one of, like, the most vocal people in the town meeting later. I was like, yeah, this, this, this is all good. This is perfect. Like, yeah. Can you um, imagine what the payroll for extras must have been? I was watching a movie. I was like, I don't think I've ever seen a movie with so many extras in my life. I mean, but were they even paid or were they like, do you want to hang out on a beach? True. And they were like, sure. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, I'll hang out on a beach. And they were like, we're also going to film a movie. Just don't tell them. But, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm guessing they shot, I only think they shot this in Martha's Vineyard. They probably shot it like the previous summer, right? Like yeah. the summer of 74, I'm guessing. So like, I'm sure a handful of kids were like, hey, you want to be in a movie for free and they said yeah you know yeah like, i was gonna say it was the 70s like all bets were off at that point you know like there's no, there's no release forms yeah i would like to also clarify my point on hooper is his name yeah matt um, hooper so i think that so okay i had this a minute ago Okay, um, you think and, about it because I'm just gonna say what I was gonna say about Hooper, which okay, is go for it. <laughs> and that just I'm gonna stall for you. Um, like I said, I've seen this movie I don't even know how many times, but for whatever reason, when I was watching it last night, I was like, the first time you see him, I was like, he like Richard Dreyfus as Matt Hooper looks so fucking cool when he like gets off that boat and he's just like like denim denim he's got denim like a daddy. like yeah he's just got like a gray <laughs> crew neck sweatshirt on and he's got that like uh really beanie. small hat like beanie yeah, like but it's not hat. even like really a beanie like it barely covers most of his head it's so, the like, Jacques very Cousteau like beanie. yeah um and he just like rolls onto the scene I was just like damn this dude looks fucking dope and I want to hang out with him. And then I was also like, yeah. I think that's what I'm going to do for Halloween this year. Like, I God damn just, it. I was going to do that for Halloween. I'm just going to be Matt Hooper for Halloween. You know how hard it is to find a costume <laughs> that incorporates a beard and that I already have the parts for? <laughs> damn. I mean, to um, be fair, I'm not going to be spending Halloween in Los Angeles, so you can be Matt Hooper as well. Like, it's, <laughs> We can both be Matt Hooper. It's fine. There's no fair. Highlander thing here. There can only be one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right, so did this I might solve? Be, yeah, this might be okay. a bit of a like a hot take then. Because I thought when he first shows up on the scene, you're like, fucking finally, someone who's going to like be like reasonable about this. But so he kind of has a trajectory where he starts high. But by the end, like he's not helpful at all. Like he's just using his little tech tools. No, because the thing, the thing, and this is, and this is my poorly articulated point. So he starts out, you're like, oh, finally, science is going to f- figure it out. But then because science has so many little steps, it slows down that when you need shit in real time, the thing that actually ends up killing the shark is just like panic, sheer will, which is just blowing it up. Yeah. But if he, if he, every single thing he tried to do scientifically didn't work. I mean, he's not the most formidable but that's, opponent to but that's, Bruce. No, it's the bureaucracy of research. I mean, I don't know if bureaucracy, <laughs> but he's in a cage with a spear gun, and like the the shark jams its face into the cage and drops the spear gun, which like isn't necessarily. And then he just hangs out on the bottom. I mean, I was kind of like, dude. What's your plan here? Yeah, where's the where's the spear gun? I will say, <laughs> do something. I somewhat related. It, he it hides me. behind his science. That's I swear to God, it's like a perfect metaphor in my brain for technology <laughs> and the fact that we hide behind our rules and then we don't get shit done. 
You could get so much shit done in science if there wasn't bureaucracy. But also, like, <laughs> his bureaucracy is what says, like, we've got to cut open the shark to actually see. No, that's when he's still. That's when he's still up here. Once he gets on the boat, is when he. Once he's bringing all his shit on the I boat, mean, is when it's I, I do think, it. Sure. I mean, maybe. I will say it struck me this time. So, like, when they. Oh, si- quick sidebar that is related to this thing that I'm about to say. Uh, when he goes over to the Brody's house and they're just talking, also, <laughs> Brody, like, is slowly cutting off, like, the top of that bottle of wine and, like, opening it up while, like, Ellen and Matt are having a conversation. And then he just pours a giant glass. He's like, oh, you're going to want to let that breathe. Oh, okay. No, no, never mind. Like, it's so funny. But um, he's also a when- little rich boy. Let us yeah. not forget. Yeah. But when oh, he's, yeah. when Brody is like, I'm the chief of police. I can do whatever I want. I was like, oh, that line hits different now. I know. I right. Like, <laughs> but I was, I was like, I you're did doing laugh. the, yeah, I was I was like, like, you're doing the right, right thing. Like you are going and like seeing if this shark is the shark. But I was just like, that specific line is not ideal. But anyway, when they go out and they're like, all right, well, like, it's a night feeder. Let's go check out the scene. And when they come across that dude's boat, like, I did, for this this time, it did, kept, like, jump out to me that, like, the head pops into the open hall, and then there's, like, a moment before he, like, reacts and drops the stuff. Like, the editing is just, like, a little off, which is not necessarily, like, a problem, but I was just like, oh, it seems like he could have held on to that shark tooth and then used that to show the mayor, but he just, like, saw the thing and was like, oh, now I'm scared, and now I'm gonna drop my flashlight and, the, um... Even like so, yeah, when I mean, he was like, in the cage, his spear was too long for the cage. Like, he couldn't turn yeah. with it. And I'm like, what type of scientific method were you using where you spent so much time developing this shit that you didn't use the proper pole? It goes without I, saying that uh, Quint is my favorite of the three characters. Yeah, there it is. There it is. We've, we've been beating around the bush like long enough. <laughs> If it doesn't work the first time, try it again, but with more power. <laughs> just, As just Colin's make finger it work. can attest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, sh- we can talk uh, uh, about how awesome Quint is, but I almost kind of felt like uh, about those those two issues, I think maybe you're not thinking about how movies are engineered. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, true. Yeah. You oh, know, like just, the side character me. should save the day. No. Yeah. Sorry, this is Brody's story. Like, the fact that he's, like, the main character who has this power but yet is afraid of the water, he has to solve the, 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 the story. Mm-hmm. Like, it's him head-to-head. And, like, the point of that, like, spear is that, like, you have to go into your third act climax with a plan, and the plan cannot work. It's unsatisfying if it does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you do get... I mean, it, it's almost like, you know, that thing with Ch- Chekhov's gun, where it's like, He's got the cage. He's got the spear. Like, yeah. it has to go in the water. He has to be active. And I think, you know, Cooper's waiting for, like, the right time to strike. It just doesn't happen because the shark's moving so swiftly. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get all those shots. And, like, you that's, that's like, the best ending of that movie, mm-hmm. I think. So it's just, like, the way, I think, from a writing perspective, like, how you kind of organize those series of events, like, they have to escalate in a satisfying way yeah. where... Yeah you understand how the story is tiered in terms of, like, the characters that are pushing the story forward. Yeah. <clears throat> to the point, though, of, like, yeah. the the head edit thing, because that one always gets me, but 
I think that really works because there is something about it that's a little off. Yeah. It doesn't feel edited in a way where it's kind of like, it's on like the rhythm. It's a little bit off the rhythm. Yeah. And that's why every time it kind of surprises me. And like, I don't, I don't, there's something to that where it's kind of like, that really works. It, it feels natural. It feels, yeah. It, it, it works so well. And like, of all of the, so I mentioned this earlier, but like when I was rewatching this, this most recent time, like there are so many moments where I'm feeling the same suspense that I felt the first time I watched it. And that moment was the, like the most suspenseful for me. Like when he gets underwater right there, I was like, I was just like, I know that the shark doesn't pop up here but maybe this time it will. And like, so I totally agree with you. Like that, that whole sequence is so incredibly effective. Uh, it was just like, I had, I always like remember it as being like the head pops up, you hear the screeching noise and then he drops it. And then when I was watching it this time, I was like, Oh, that's not how it actually goes. That's weird. But it, like, I agree with you. Like it, it all fully works because like, I don't know what he was expecting to see down there, but I'm sure it wasn't some like bloated, like, head that just like popped out so um so yeah it does make sense that he would just be like wait what is this oh shit that's what this is and, and then react accordingly but i thought there's also when you're in water you like can't move as fast that i thought there was just like a delay because of water <laughs> water know, sure. yes yes <laughs> but also uh, as someone who did not know this movie the end of this movie as soon as they brought the oxygen tanks on board i was like they're gonna fucking blow up that shark yeah chekhov's oxygen I mean, tank is really yeah. the, the updated version yeah. Yeah. yeah they also do the perfect setup of him being like hey careful if you drop this it will explode yeah and you're like well seems like a good weapon to me and I, I was like well quint clearly didn't hear that otherwise this would have been ended 30 minutes before yeah. He was too busy being awesome. Huh? You know? Yeah. We, okay. He was too busy let's being do awesome. Let's talk about Quint. Okay. So, is... My is, God. Let's, okay, if we're going to start talking about Quint, obviously I'm being hyperbolic, but is it the best character introduction ever captured on film? Like, just the chaos of the yes. town hall and him just, like, screeching his fingernails on the chalkboard and everybody's like, oh, God, what is that? And then he's just like... You know who I am. You know what I do. Give me ten thousand dollars. I'll kill that thing. You're like, this guy. Y'all know me. How <laughs> yes. I earn a living? It's like this guy. I'll catch that bird for you. It's bad fish. Like, I, yeah, seriously. Like, it's been in my bad life. Yeah. Been in my head again and again and again. Yeah. It's incredible. It's it, it, so it good. Really is like legendary. Like even watching it for the first time, knowing I knew of a character that like scratches the the chalkboard, and I knew of like the speech of like we gotta kill this fish but like it really is like writing almost separate from the rest of the movie like the rest of the movie is so like pretty straightforward and like relatable of like yeah that's how families talk but this character has such a distinct voice and is such a sea captain (laughs) like the definition of a sea captain and just that whole scene i my note for that was just amazing monologue yeah. of everyone just listening to this man and him offering up the solution to the problem and you so early trust him so early yeah. and and it's because of bureaucracy and it's because of all the people in this town that it doesn't just happen because they're like well ten thousand dollars it sounds expensive but like he's like when you're ready come to me and then we'll get this fish and everyone is like okay we'll see you later it's such a good like setup for the third act then to be like oh now we're actually going to 
do the plan. We're actually going to kill the fish. Yeah. So his, like, cadence, the way he speaks, is could be that, like, Robert Shaw was, like, old dude, but it is, like, old-timey, like, everyone speaks normal. <laughs> yeah. And then Quint speaks, like, old-timey guy. Like, his I, actually, his, like, what you were saying, Matt, like, his actual cadence is completely different. I think that Robert Shaw was, like, actually drunk for most of this movie. Like, I don't know if that's... Like, I I think I remember reading that at some point. I didn't actually, like, follow up before we recorded. But, like, I think I remember that he's just, like, basically a raging alcoholic. And also, I imagine it was the 70s, so he was probably smoking a ton of cigarettes, too. So, I'm just, like... He just, like, is so perfect as this, like, grizzled captain that's <laughs> like i can solve this problem and like you said matt like i'm here come talk to me when you're ready to come talk to me and oh god i love quinn so much i love him so much <laughs> i love that everything on his boat is like broken <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorry for uh, yeah. you were talking no quint is like one of my favorite kind of characters of all time because he is like so arresting and it's like I love Bruce the shark, but like when they go head to head, I know who I really love more, and it's Quint. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and when I think about like movie characters, and to me, like character introductions are like so much more valuable than I ever thought when I was when I first started writing. It's like, oh, that's such a big deal. But Quint has like the best intro and exit of any character you can really imagine. It's like it's such an arresting intro, and his mm-hmm. exit is so gnarly. It's and, brutal. And so also brutal and gross and incredible but and if like, he died any other way you'd be like what the fuck exactly yeah. he's and like yeah. slow. DiCaprio he's gonna get mauled by that bear <laughs> yeah <laughs> only, only he lived so. yeah and like no like it has to happen for you know for Brody to have the satisfying story that Brody has but like yeah. one thing that amazes me um, and sometimes it's like small things. Like we can talk about big things, like the monologue he has about the Indianapolis boat, oh, which is like, oh, yeah, is that the best? Mo- let's just yes. table whatever I was yes. going to say. Is that the best yes. monologue yes. in any movie ever? Yes, I'm on board with this. Yes. What beats it? <laughs> yeah, and the turn that it's like fun scar comparison. Yes, and then there's something off about Brody asking like, "Where did you get that scar?" And it being like, "Oh, it was a tattoo," and you're like oh, that's different from the other ones. And the way it just slowly morphs into the most horrific shark story that could be in anyone's past is, and that leads us into the final, like, confrontation. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my God. Like, this guy has gone toe-to-toe with sharks. This is also why, like, people. this movie is better than a lot of other blockbusters. Because, like, you yeah. can have, like, a big concept for a movie. And it's, you know, it's... This head-to-head conflict, don't we all want to see this, whatever, this asteroid's coming, this whatever's happening. But, like, that scene is as good as any scene in any movie ever. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. you know, it's, it's the calm before the storm. Like, mm-hmm. we need this as an audience. But the connection between these characters and the one-upmanship of the writing and the one-upmanship of, of, of the acting mm-hmm. and, like, how this all kind of, like, leads and bleeds into, like, this horrific story and now it's time to fight. It's like, oh... Like, it structurally, like, hits you on every possible level. And it's incredible. And, like, you know, like, the speech that he gives, I believe that was, like, written, like, somewhat on the day and is partially inspired by a true story that actually happened that, like, I've always been fuzzy about. But it's just like, oh, so it's like, 
the 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 people who like you know uh, you know like had the ship bring the bomb to Hiroshima. It's like this is this is as big as you can think of for like a twentieth century type story, and it belongs perfectly amongst the shark movie mm-hmm. story. And he just he just kills it, and it just. The way the way the other actors are looking at Robert Shaw when he's delivering this story is the same way I feel like I am staring mm-hmm. at the screen, where it's just like you can't take your eyes off this guy. I was gonna say I so I watch this movie every year, but like because I've seen it, like usually when I watch a movie, I'm like trying to focus on the movie. But because I've seen this one so many times, I'm usually just like it's on in the background. But whenever that scene rolls around, or whenever I know that scene is coming, I like stop whatever I'm doing because I'm like I have to watch this. Like this is so perfectly executed from like a writing standpoint from a directing standpoint from a acting standpoint like everything about that whole sequence is just incredibly perfect and i love it so much and when i can't remember exactly what the context was but like tyranny matt and i were talking about the indianapolis at some point we were talking about the fact that uh i watched a documentary uh as a When you were watching Jaws, I watched a documentary <laughs> on the USS Indianapolis uh, that had dramatic reenactments and uh, knew uh, way too much horrific detail about yeah. that shipwreck <laughs> at that young of an age. But we were just like talking about that, and I was I like pa- like passively referenced. I was like, yeah, that's like from not from, but like obviously it's a real thing that happened. But I was like. Yeah, the best scene in the movie Jaws is related to the Indianapolis. Like, like I've known about this thing since I was 10 years old because of this fucking Spielberg movie that I watched that just had an incredible monologue about this horrific experience. Um, but I, I just, and, yeah, it's so good. Yeah. To know that Quint is also watching this town, like, fight itself about whether or not to try to stop the shark, knowing what he has seen... And it's just like, these idiots. Like, they don't even know how bad it could be. And even watching kids get swallowed up by the shark is not enough for them to take action. And meanwhile, I watched everyone around me get taken under and just, like, circled by sharks. Oh, It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. It's, and it's so and rare. It's, sad... it's so rare in fiction that you, let alone come up with a great character like Quince, but if you ever allude to their backstory, that it, like matches or tops the character mm-hmm. and that's the moment where you're like this quint guy's amazing like what's his backstory what's like that made him this way and you have this monologue and you're like uh bravo like there's yeah. nothing <laughs> there's nothing anyone can do that's better than that and like, what's also amazing about that scene is you have him come to the conclusion of just like i'll never put on a life vest again mm-hmm. so there's a moment when like the ship's smoking and you're in like the, the heart of the, the climax and he looks at the two life preservers, and he makes a decision. He tosses one to Hooper, one to Brody. He's wearing a jacket himself. He knows he's going in that water. He's not putting it back on again. So that's a part of a character that doesn't change. And, like, I firmly believe that there's two parts of a character. One of them is, like, the part of you that never changes. That's mm-hmm. who you really are. And there's a part of you that, that can change and evolve and arc. So you have Quint hold on to his Quintness. But he does then look at the spear and ask Hooper, like, what's this do? Like, I'm open to this mm-hmm. kind of idea. And I think that's the tiniest little bit of character growth for Quint. But, like, just that idea of, like, you have the monologue. We're all scared shitless. Mm-hmm. Then it's time to fight. Mm-hmm. The ship's going down. 
and and he's like, put these fucking things on. We're about to go into this. You're just like, oh my god, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> his every single time, his death guts me because it's like it's like you. I love him so much, and you don't want to see him go out, and you know that he's going to go out, and then when he does, it's just like. I didn't. I didn't know wow. he was going to go out. I mean, it's okay. a Spielberg I feel movie. I assume most people live. <laughs> well, I mean, other, most people do than, live. Just. Other than Jurassic Park, where, like, some of the main characters get eaten. Most seen. Spielberg movies, everybody lives. Lies. You Everyone. haven't seen nearly enough Spielberg movies to say that most people live in Spielberg movies. Munich, people are constantly dying. Well, Minority Report, people die all over. AI, everybody but dies, But all basically. the main characters don't. Pish posh. To, to Literally all the precogs are still alive at the end of Minority Report, and he has a whole separate scene to show us that they're alive and happy at the very end of it. <laughs> to, to, to her point, I'm thinking, like, if you're watching Jurassic Park, maybe Quint's death is akin to, like, what if Jeff Goldblum got eaten yeah. by a T-Rex? Yeah, that's true. That would be crazy. That's fair. Yeah. That is fair. That's true. But, granted, they are different characters, but... I think two things are true about this thing. It's like one, or maybe three things. One, if he dies, it's just a better movie and it's a better character. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Two, is that like I think what I can glean about the movie in terms of its themes, you have this modern civilization that like cares about dollars and cents, and we're going to war against something that's prehistoric, it's been around forever, and it's man versus nature. And to have like that monologue and his death, like it has to be that way. And this is those, those two things coming head to head. So it's, it is thematic. But also, like, Spielberg was a younger, young and hungry man at this point. He had no children. And he has since spoken about, like, the Kittner boy's death. Mm. Had he had been a father, he would not have killed the Kittner boy. Which, you know, and, like, I think he was young and hungry and going for it and courageous and... In a way, like, he's, he's grown in terms of his sentimentality over the years. Mm-hmm. So this movie happened at a certain time when he was able to pull a trigger that he wouldn't do today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in I doing so, Speaking... no one is safe. Like, yeah. Yeah. all bets are off once the Kittner kid dies to where you're like, holy shit, are they going to kill Brody's son? Well, it's, and, it's and in and that's very quick succession, works. they kill a dog and, like, an eight-year-old kid within, like... I mean, After the dog you don't actually like see, but like the do- girl. Yeah, but like the guy is like yelling his dogs and he's like, Pippin, Pippin, where are you? You know, and like, so you, what you a know. Good reveal. Oh, just for like the, the tension of that too, to show the people in the water, to show everyone who's in the water in separate shots. So to know like, well, they're all separate from each other. Any one of them could go. And you're kind of waiting for which one is going to get taken under. And for the dog. To just be like, hey, hey, and just see the bone floating, you're like, oh, fuck, you got the dog. Yeah. Like, it's such a good, like, of all the people, it's the dog. And then the next time, it's the boy. I also that think that, like... That whole sequence... Sorry, I, I, I was just gonna say, I think, like, for the most part, this movie's not that brutal. Like, most of the deaths are, like, rel- I mean, Quint, obviously, is, like, on a different level, but, like, most of the deaths are not that bad. But I do think, like, when... Like just the way that it's shot when the uh, when Alex Kintner dies, where it's just like there's just a kid floating, and then all of a sudden he's just like not, and then there's just blood everywhere, and you're like, oh, this is this is intense. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um, I I always I always just love that. 
particular that, well, moment. That whole sequence seems to be just like a master class in like tension and mm-hmm. suspense. Yeah. And like even like again, like the way Spielberg uses the camera, that sequence begins with the larger woman going into the water. Yeah. And then yeah. as she exits um, screen left, the Kittner boy comes in screen right and you follow him and he wants more time. He's asking permission, his mother says yes, and like you're building tension. And he leaves frame and then comes back with like the floaty thing, so he goes out there further. And as that sequence is happening, Brody's just watching, and you have people walking by him, and the people are creating wipes to get closer and closer and closer to him. Because when you have mm-hmm. longer takes, it's harder to have energy in the screen. So mm-hmm. like the the people walking by is a great reminder of like you know uh the 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 people that are kind of at at stake here and it's creating this tension you're getting closer to him and then you have the whole bad hat harry moment yeah Yeah. and like i love these characters you have that name that became a production company because like that name is just (laughs) amazing and then what else happens more people get up and they go into the like people are going in the water more and more and more and you're building all this tension and back to the idea of point of view whose point of view are we in we're kind of we're in the point of view of either brody or just an average beachgoer. So when the Kittner boy dies, you're not with him. You're not in his mother's point of view. It's weird. You just see this gush of red and water, and you're yeah. like, what yeah. the heck? Because it's like, it's so strange, but that's what it would look like. That's yeah. what it would feel like. Yeah. It's this yeah. confusing moment of just, oh, wait. What happened? Where, like, yeah. And everyone runs out. And what's really emotionally effective is, not only is it like a single mother, but like, for lack of a better word, it's a single older mother. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? So, like, the emotional impact, I think, is far greater when you have someone who has, like, a late-in-life baby mm-hmm. as opposed to someone who's, like, a younger mother whose life is ahead of them. Like, the Kittner death is such an emotionally effective death. So every every element is coming into play here. Yeah. And, and it's just perfect. Even, like, when Brody's running, he's not getting in the water. He's just yeah. tiptoeing along yeah. the shore. Yeah. yeah. To your and that pull, that rack of the focus yeah the yeah depth of field of him realizing like oh my god it happened the thing i was trying to avoid happening that everyone else here was distracting me from stopping is happening right now in front of me a kid is dying right now like it's such a good like use of that technique that is that's kind of spielberg's move right that's the vertigo shot yeah did it start with a vertigo, shot. vertigo yeah. shot yeah right yeah which we've done on this podcast yeah, we've talked, yeah. We've done vertigo. so they used Freddy to, be good to your fellows too. Yeah. Um, Matt's favorite movie. I love Goodfellas. <laughs> which which shot is in Goodfellas? I can think of like four movies where that technique is used. Uh they're in a diner. Um and it's like where the the dolly goes forward as they zoom out, is what it is? Or the other one. Yeah, you around. can do you can do either or. Yeah. And yeah. I get them yeah. confused, but in general I think it's mostly a push in on the character as you're zooming out, so the world yeah. changes. Like yeah. It's yeah. in Road to Perdition. It's in Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. Um, yeah. Vertigo, Jaws. Goodfellas, I haven't seen for a while. Goodfellas is awesome. It's like they're talking at a <laughs> diner table, and it happens. So it's like the mo- you mostly notice it with the background. Yeah. Um, but to your point, like, when you, Freddie, when you were mentioning how, like, Spielberg, like, said he would not have made that particular choice later, on a, a similar vein... When I was when I watched this movie when I was younger, the scene where she, where his Kittner's mom, like Mrs. Kittner, like walks up, and just slaps him, and is just like, "You knew this, and now my boy's dead." 
Like, that never really, like, affected me when I was watching this as a younger person. And, like, I don't have kids. I'm not planning on having kids. But, like, as an adult watching this movie, that scene is so much more effective now than it was, you know, like, 10, 15 years ago. Um, and so, like, that's one of the scenes that I always dread when I'm watching this. When, like, I'm re-watching this movie, I'm just like, oh, man, this is gonna, this is gonna be really brutal. Because he's just like, yeah. you're right. And, I mean, he even says that. He's, like, they're like, oh, she's, you know, that's fine. And he's like, no, she's right. Like, that is true. And it's just, like, so awful <laughs> that you're just like, fuck. And I, yeah. Yeah. It is so awful. It also makes you sympathize more with, like, the main character because mm-hmm. he was trying to close the beaches. Yeah. And he couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that he just has to take that hit, I think, and just, like, the this, this slow walk which, with what must be her father. Like, yeah. I imagine yeah. that, how that family must be. It's so effective, but, like, that the scene that follows that is the scene with the boy when they're when they're mirroring each other's movements. Yes. Yeah. So like you get emotionally primed by the Mrs. Kittner slap, and the next scene is that quiet um, mime off between them, the give us a kiss scene. Mm-hmm. That is so good. J.J. Abrams has a talk on that scene in a TED talk he gave like ten years ago. He mentions that scene. <laughs> I teared up during that scene because there's a couple moments in this movie where it's kind of like, I know it's Jaws, but like, I get really emotional in that scene. But it's Jaws. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like when Jaws dies, I hate it. <laughs> Bruce. No, there's a couple where you're like, oh, this is, and that's kind of where, like, I think I wrote it down where it's like, A, this is way better than I thought it was. But I was like, this is like way more violent and way more like emotional than I thought it was. <laughs> yeah. And part of it is, like, the... I, I remember as soon as they, like, like you see the kid die and the whole town hall is, like, talking about, like, oh, she put a bounty out on this Jaws and, like, you know, the plan to, like, I could kill him for two, for $10,000. Like, it, it escalates so fast and it becomes this kind of, like, big town kind of, like, thing where everyone is, like, eager and excited to kill this shark. And I was kind of like, oh, it's so weird to use a kid as fodder for, like, you know, amplifying this, like, town's craziness, that when Mrs. Kittner shows up, it is this moment of, like, hey, remember that a fucking kid died. Mm -hmm. Like, this is not fun in games. Like, people's lives are destroyed because of this shark. And it, like, the the added gravitas to, like, this kind of frenzy is so appropriate to, like, remind us, like, this is not just fun in games. This is not a horror movie. This is, like, you're in a real town, and, like, if your kid was swallowed up by a shark, you'd also probably be pissed enough to put a $10,000 bounty and slap the chief of police. Mm -hmm. And, like, the quietness of that scene, too. Everything, like, it's been this crazy, like, oh, take a picture with the shark, take a picture with the shark. That when it becomes this, like, one-on-one between her and Brody, it, like, the emotional depth of that is so strong that it does kind of, like, push us into his kind of like why is he caring about stopping the shark like Mm -hmm. why does he want to prevent more tragedy from happening besides just his own kids but like everyone else cares about showing off how cool they could be and like throwing meat out of a fucking boat and spearing anything they can see but for him it's like no we got to stop this particular shark Mm -hmm. and it's more than just like a fun outing for everybody um this July 4th weekend, but, uh, no, I mean, it's such a a powerful moment and, and made me so 
pissed at the mayor again, who's mm. standing right there mm-hmm. and is like, oh, you know it's not true. And it's like, why didn't you fucking say anything to Mrs. Kittner and go like, hey, you know what? I'm the one who said to keep the beaches open. It's like, because of course you would, you coward. Yeah, I was going to say, like, he's got to get reelected so that he can still be the mayor in Jaws 2. So. If you guys want me to codify Jaws into law, you have to vote for me again. It's so important. Vote harder. Vote harder. Vote harder shark, to get rid of this shark. The shark's going to come back if you don't vote for me. I'm just saying. I think uh, we're getting off topic, though. This movie is about bureaucracy yeah. <laughs> and science. Yeah. There Bring it home, journey. <laughs> it's true. Uh, um, and I think the other thing that I noticed uh, in the dynamic between Quint and Hooper and Brody is that, so what's fun, I think just like we were saying about the structure of the movie being like, basically shark versus people, and then Brody versus the mayor, and then Brody versus the town, and then like Brody and Hooper versus the town, and Hooper then it becomes and Quint versus each other. Exactly. It becomes the three of them with their different dynamics trying to cooperate in this mission and all of them have different ideas and like Hooper is making faces at Quint and like clearly is like, Ugh, like stop like talking to me like I don't know what I'm doing. And like that's such a fun dynamic to have, like, even when they're now on a mission to kill the shark, they're still fighting with each other. Like nobody gets along and it only makes the conflict that much better to be like, ugh. <laughs> they can't just kill a shark. You've got to fight each other first. Yeah. You are forgetting, though, like, man versus self. Like, Brody yes. having to face his fears. And, like, one thing that I think a lot about if I'm thinking of, like, crafting a movie, because movies are, yes, they're written, but they're really constructed. It's like you're, you're setting up architectural plans. Sometimes, this is the difference between, like, good action movies and bad action movies as a genre example. Like, in a bad action movie... Who's the hero? He's the most capable, built dude who can shoot guns and all this kinds of mm-hmm. stuff. In a great one, like Jaws, who is the hero? It's the guy who doesn't want to get in the water. Yeah. It's the guy who's afraid. Like, that's what makes it a story and not just a series of events strung together. That's what makes it really amazing, and that's what you can really kind of bite your teeth into. Because, like, Roy Scheider, for lack of a better word, is like the unsung hero of this movie. Like, I think it falls apart without his solid performance. Mm-hmm frame after frame after frame like he's He's incredible in this movie i just want to say that other than quint every uh lead character in that movie is also afraid the mayor is afraid oh yeah afraid hooper is afraid quint's the only one who's not afraid and he's also the only one who dies (laughs) (laughs) probably aren't unrelated but (laughs) the autopsy scene is also great for like how much horror you see building in Hooper to realize like oh my god oh my god this thing's huge like oh my god like this thing did this to a person and the reaction of like why didn't you report this it's like I don't know (laughs) we don't know what this thing is this was no boating accident yeah yeah, it's great (laughs) did you call the coast guards uh was that a thing we were supposed local, to do? Yeah, like, local jurisdiction. Local jurisdiction. <laughs> yeah, and that arm is so gnarly. Him pulling up that arm and just seeing like how ripped up the tissue is. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh god. Well, I mean, look, we've all seen like medical shows or, or movies where like the, you go to the morgue and you pull out the body and it's like a six foot slab. It's like a little box. Yeah. It's yeah. like here's what's left of the first victim. It's like that itself is is incredible. But for the most part, then to focus on. Cooper and not the grizzly remains you do see like the hand like you keep it on him you keep it on the on the performance um 
it's it's just incredible. But there are a couple grisly moments that just kind of rock. Let's be yeah. honest. Like yeah. one that I always love is like when um, the guy who was in like the kitty pool area yeah. goes just, under like, and leg. that leg <laughs> yes. oh. and that stupid shoe <laughs> yes. hits the ground. Oh, I love it. It rocks. It's so good. <laughs> just like slowly, just a severed leg. And it's like the you see the like the shoe first. And then it's like, oh, oh, yeah, it's not attached to anything. It's just a, just a leg falling down there. <laughs> yeah. Other moment. Now I feel like I'm just going to, like, shout out moments that I Go for it. Great. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think it's, to our point of, like, this is not a PG movie by today's standards, the movie starts with full frontal nudity. Yeah. yeah. Which was wild. I was like, whoa, <laughs> this is, like, a close-up. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, also, so that her shocking. death, she's screaming, like, She's just like gotten surprised, not screaming like she doesn't have legs. That was a one yeah. performance issue where I was like, she could have screamed a little more. Yeah. yeah. At a certain point, your brain is like, you're She's bisected. Like, oh, I'm going to stop reacting. Oh, oh. And I was like, you are missing at least knee down by this point. <laughs> this guy is feeding. Um, and then I also really loved the moment, uh, which you mentioned that little boat where. He's like, what do you mean he's in the boat? She's like, he's just sitting in it. Like, oh, and yeah. then he's out on the water. He's like, get back in here. And he's like, what? But then for him to like have, he, he's so tense about it. And she's like, come on, just let him have fun in his boat. And then looks at the guide and sees a boat being eaten by a shark. And she's like, get inside right now. She's like, did you, <laughs> hear, he, did you hear your father get inside yeah. right now? <laughs> and Brody's reaction of like, whoa, where did that come from? Is so good. Because he's like, I was just saying that we should do that. <laughs> I thought that was such a good joke. Um, it's a yeah. great insert shot. Uh, I always think of that one. I love it. I mean, yeah. if we're talking about shots, one shot that always really works. When like the guys get in their boat and then go out for the first time and you see them kind of basically like going out in the ocean and they're they're inside the giant yes, jaws. They're framed in like the right, they're shark. framed inside yes, the yeah. it's perfect. It's it's perfect. It's it's the kind of thing where like you're watching a movie and like the first time you see it you're like, oh, this is what a movie is. It's better than real life. Yeah. It's just yeah. like every shot is perfect. <laughs> you couldn't plan that. It's just ideal and like I don't know, like that shot has been like given homage to many times. One of them being like a shot in Django Unchained when Django and Dr. King Schultz like ride into town for the first time and everyone's turning at Django because they've never seen someone like him on a horse before. But he crosses over into a, um, a noose. So mm-hmm. Jamie Foxx's head mm-hmm. goes into the noose and out and that's an homage to that shot. And like it's just perfect in a way because it's kind of like what, what can we visually do to show them that they're going into doom? They're going into danger. And it's yeah, just like... Yeah put that shark mouth right there. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. just perfect. It's, it's so cinematic good. cinematic language. <laughs> yeah. It's beautiful. Which I'm Spielberg, I, that's the other thing is like the depth of understanding of cinematic language that Spielberg has from this movie throughout his entire career is so specific. And like, you know, Tierney has her opinions on Spielberg, but overall, like, Okay, I you make it sound like I walk around. She hates him, and she like won't stop talking about him. Uh, I've like, made my grievances very clear in the last seven to ten minutes of most of his movies. Um, but no, like, I and think you guys that also language. agreed with the Watergate one. Don't lest you forget. No, you I, walked out of that movie and said Tierney would hate the last ten minutes, and then yeah. said Wait, they were pretty the bad. Post? 
Yeah. Oh, he did do the post. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. But it's look, he also did the post in like a couple weeks. Yeah, like, I was gonna say that movie that's came how together good like that in guy is. <laughs> Good point. Um, also, the other funny joke that I thought was great uh, is the mayor walking up to the guy on the beach and being like, "Why aren't you in the water?" And he's like, "Well, I just put on some sunscreen and uh, I'm trying to let." He's like, "You should go in the water. Come on, go in the water. There's no- Everyone's fine." And like that level of pressure that he's putting directly onto people to be like, "Get in the water." I was like, "This is so good" because it's not only like try to encourage the town in general but now he's gonna like make it his personal mission to be like go put your life at risk no you get in <laughs> you the water. specifically go get in the water they look so scared how so okay how good is that mayor though in the whole movie but Not. also in that scene where <laughs> after the kitten after the kitten boy's death when he's in the hospital he's like you know what my kids are on that beach too it's like oh my god you have character depth as well like yeah. everything oh, yeah, just yeah. totally rocked and he's like, sign the document. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, do you have a pen? Bullshit. You're going to do what you do best. You're going to sign this thing. <laughs> um, oh, shoot. I had something. I lost it. Maybe it'll come back to me. Oh, one thing that I, I wanted to mention between just like how Spielberg uses cinematic language. And granted, this is like his second feature film. And sometimes people just are just blessed with talent. And Spielberg is just one of them. Mm-hmm. But like there's a shot of, all, you know, when all the fishermen, when everyone's you know, there's a dozen fishermen in a dozen boats and they're all kind of out there. There's a shot of like, must be six or seven boats or so, and they're all kind of static, and they're all just kind of there. And then there's a shot of Quint alone on his boat. Yes. yes. And that shot is amazing. That juxtaposition is perfect, because what you have is you have, must be a dozen guys and half a dozen boats, and they're all going nowhere. Yep. Yep. And then you cut to a shot of Quint, who's going down and to the right. And what's important about that, it's a one shot, he's got the biggest boat, it's just Quint, he commands the whole frame, but that is easy for him. So visually, psychologically, for English speakers and English readers, going down and to the right is the easiest uh, uh, movement that we can see because we believe in gravity for one and we read English left to right. So like to even the idea of like, how do I show Quint? Okay, I'm gonna show him on his own. He's gonna be on his boat, his boat is bigger. He's framed like this right way and, he, and this is easy for him. Like he's going down to the right, like little moments like that where it's kind of like, yeah, you know how to do everything. Yeah, you just yeah. you just do everything perfectly well. Where sometimes you watch lesser movies and you're just like, this doesn't work for me. I don't know why. It just doesn't work yeah. for me. But not this. Yeah. Yeah. It, it like I mean, like we started saying, it makes total sense that this movie is the cultural touchstone that it is. It like is so competent in every way. In both like this kind of stuff where you can really take apart each shot or each scene and break it down into like what are the motivations what is what's the conflict what's the like visual conflict that we're being told and then you can also just be like sharks are scary the the beaches are fun fourth of july weekend is fun and it would be bad if a shark ate people on fourth of july weekend so it's like very only on fourth of july weekend okay i did i I remembered what i was gonna say so yes uh I have some questions about how this town uh, economy works. Like, sure. mm-hmm. maybe this was just a thing in the 70s where, like, summer started on July 4th. But, like, nowadays, <laughs> summer starts, like, you know, Memorial Day. <laughs> and so when, when uh, I was just like, I feel like this town probably would have had some sort of business leading up to the 4th of July. Also, do they pay to go to the beach? I don't know. I mean, I think it's just, like, people come to the beach, and then they, like, 
you know, like, they spend their money. On, yeah, they just, like, buy shit in town. But I was just, like, it seems, like, weird that, like, nothing in this town, like, it's literally only island townies until the 4th of July, apparently. And then it's just, like, everybody's there for, like, a month and a half before school starts up again in August. And then that's it. That's where we make all of our money for the entire year. I was, like, I feel like June should probably get some play in here somewhere. <laughs> like, I mean, Brody's even, like, summer's over. And I was, like, I mean, kind of. It's, like, July or anything. Like, How dare you? Kids are going back to school. <laughs> Tierney's, like, don't take this away from I'm me. I'm so... <laughs> wounded and shaken right now everlasting there was that great shot of that giant ferry of all the tourists that come where it's kind of like we gotta shut these beaches down ah we can't do it and like this huge thing comes and you're like well shit dinner bell yeah but (laughs) that's that's kind of a good point because it's like I I don't know like yeah, you do have people who are showing up like the 4th of July but like I don't know. I, I'm done talking about this. <laughs> I do get that, like, a holiday weekend would be a big weekend for them. Like, I get all of that. But it just seems weird to me that it seems like the town is totally dead. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, everybody's here now for a little bit. And that's where we're going to make all our money. It's like, well, for one long week. Yeah. But. It's also funny because it does seem like everyone is, I mean, it's summer. So, like, most people are, like, out and about. But it is funny that, like, they're like, it's 4th of July on Monday. And it's like, what day is it right now that everyone is, like already parting like it's fourth of july and they're like well we still got a few days before that so like we got to make the most of this weekend we got all party constantly but i also i like the one line where uh he's like take it like take i can't remember the son's name but he's like take him home she's like to new york yeah and he's like no to here home and she's like okay i'd like to get the fuck out of here there's a shark i'm gonna kill our kids but okay fine oh um, should we, does anybody have any other, like, big things they want to talk about, or should we move on to the categories? I have one remaining thing, which is just, like, a, a fun anecdote. Um, my sister, who I think I've mentioned on the pod before, that she's just, like, very not interested in horror movies, um, obviously did not watch Jaws. Um, <laughs> and when we were very young, I think this was, like, maybe like she was seven i was nine like like very young we went to universal studios and i wanted to ride the jaws ride and she did not want to ride the jaws ride and we uh we were like we were kind of paying attention to what was going on and we were like pretty sure that like at some point the shark pops up on the right side of the boat and so she was like i'm getting in first i'm gonna be on the left side of the boat well turns out (laughs) <laughs> she just like freaked the fuck out <laughs> um so yeah i always like whenever i watch this movie i always think about like that experience on the jaws ride and also i do get a little bit sad because the jaws ride doesn't exist anymore because yeah. universal sucks uh it's not related to a theme park but we used to go to the beach uh like pretty much every day well fun fact if you wait till six o'clock when the beach is closed uh they're free um so we used to go like every evening because they're closed you're not supposed to be there yeah. <laughs> i don't know that's what my mom my mom would take us did <laughs> and, you guys like, know that Potbellies has free sandwiches after they close if you break night? into the stores and just steal their shit <laughs> there's just no lifeguard on duty uh, I know, it was just play, funny the way you phrased it <laughs> we used to play uh a game called shark attack which oh, yeah. was probably for the best that there was no lifeguard because I don't think they would enjoy that game. But someone would be the shark, and the rest, our job was to just 
play in the water and they used the like goggles and they would come up for air and then come down and you'd have no idea where they were and their job was to just pull your ankles and rip you down yeah <laughs> it was a lot of fun nice <laughs> <laughs> but i would imagine the lifeguards hated it yeah i can't imagine that's Probably. something they were that jazzed about so <laughs> also a brief a brief ma- oh, wait sorry did you have more? no i was just gonna say a similar story to colin yeah oh, sure, yeah. Sure, yeah exactly <laughs> Um, I guess, I mean, in kind of reference to robot, the robotic shark, it is crazy he has the a name. level of technology, Bryce, um, that, like, they have <laughs> in this shark. The one shot of, at, at the end, when you see the full shark swim down and pass the camera, I was like, wait a minute, was that a robot too? Like, was that a real shark? Because it's so convincing. Like, at no point are you like, this is a robot shark. Mm-hmm. Which, like, you know, speaking of Jurassic Park, the stuff they did back then blew people's minds because they were like, are these real fucking dinosaurs? It's, it looks better than the new ones. Yeah. True. But like, I mean, absolutely. But, like, this shark is so real-looking and huge. And, like, to know it's just, like, hydraulics that are, like, slowly breaking down from all the salt water is, like, kind of fun because it, like, doesn't matter. It looks terrifying and it looks huge. And when it swims past the camera, you're like, oh, God. <laughs> This is a huge shark. Yeah. This is a real shark. Ugh. Well, I could be wrong, but there were, um, I mean, they would they would cut between a real shark and a fake shark. Okay. I was just saying, I would in, imagine in a couple moments. There are, see, there are shots of mo- this movie that are actual sharks. Are they trained sharks? Matt, are you familiar with National Geographic and or Planet Earth and or any nature documentary ever? No. <laughs> you know the Shark Guild is really rough when it comes to film stuff. <laughs> the Guild Guild. Yeah, the, yeah, the Guild, Guild Guild. guild. <laughs> oh, oh, goodness. All right, categories. Categories. So uh, what tattoo should I get? I mean, so many options. So I actually knew a dude who had a thigh tattoo. It started up above his hip, and it was the shark tail. Went all the way down his hip, and then came down on his thigh, and it was the shark with an open mouth, and it looked awesome. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I'm not, I'm not interested, but you sold it okay, and better than I was expecting. Yeah. Like, yeah. like <laughs> the jaws would just be, like, right here, just like... And so it went from, like... This isn't great for a podcast, but went from, like, above the knee all the way up to here. Oh, interesting. Oh, wow. So you, if you, like, I, wor- I worked with him, and we worked at a, a harbor, and so it was often in bathing suits, so you'd see, like, the tail up top and then the head down below. And it's interesting. It was fucking cool. <laughs> Colin, that's an option. I think just, like, Quint half inside a shark's mouth just mm. sputtering blood everywhere could really be like a good look for me just like uh-huh. a full chest tattoo of Quint getting maimed by a massive shark Definitely. could be pretty dope how about the uh like on your back the entire indianapolis speech just yeah just the full monologue yeah yeah, yeah. and there's whenever it's like a particularly grisly moment it's just like red yeah ink. just red no but these yeah. words i need you to change to the red the red yeah. ink, thank you. Make it look like a bitten into <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, I also think, like, for a real, you know, legitimate tattoo, the jaws around the boat is, like, ink. Like, yeah. You just put the jaw, like, the teeth and then the boat. Mm-hmm. What a great tattoo. 
Um, or just Amity, like a sign that's Amity Island with a big shark bite on it. I, I almost got a shirt. Uh, there's like several shirts yeah. in the vein of what tattoo should I get? What shirt yeah. should I get? There's a couple uh, Jaws shirts that I kind of want to get. Um, I don't mean to blow up the podcast, but there's two things I just realized we didn't oh, mention. No. Oh, no. Go for it. We oh, have no. to mention when it comes to Jaws. We have to. The all-time poster. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And, oh, yeah. and the all-time and, score. And the all-time score. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 You're right. I should take right. a moment. You're right. Yeah. We need <laughs> Which to. I didn't realize the score is what starts the movie. I yeah. expected to wait a little bit to have the da-da, da-da. But it like, from go, I was like, okay, we're in. We're in it. Here comes John Williams. And it's John Williams doing what I miss John Williams doing, which is also some like weirdo, kind of like jazzy. Yeah. Like in the middle of the movie, just as like other soundtrack bits. Uh, then I was like, oh, I miss when John Williams just like used horns and flutes in weird ways. Uh, but man, it's, it's maybe, is it the most recognizable movie? It's score? gotta be up there. I mean, it's iconic I mean, yeah. for a reason. Like, it's so good. It's perfect for this movie. It's perfect for all of the scenes that we talked about where they're like building tension. Like the, this, like yeah. just everything about this, this score literally could not be better. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> right. The, the, the iconic character theme of the Donant is so recognizable and so easy uh, to kind of quote, and yeah. you instantly know where you are. But, like, what's amazing to me about this score, and, like, really, John Williams and Spielberg, that collaboration is, like, an all-time collaboration. The two of yeah. them have worked yeah. together so much. Um, but watching this movie um, this morning, as I did in prep for this, I was just like, you know, this movie would be entirely different if there was another composer, because you could really compose mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. in a much darker way. Mm -hmm. And there are moments of, like, levity and lightness that kind of, like, make you just remember that you're having a good time during this movie. Like, whenever the shark is, is harpooned and the barrels kind of fly off, you have this, like, bright, like, adventurous kind of theme that just kind of, like, like a gust of fresh air that smells like flowers just, like, hits your ears. And it's just kind of it just kind of sweeps you up, but like the score throughout the whole thing, you're right. You have you have the the dark ominous character beat of like this is dangerous, and the jazziness yeah. that exists yeah. there, and then this just like sweeping, you know, uh, almost you know, akin to like some of like the end of ET and like the mm -hmm. upliftingness that John Williams kind of has throughout this movie. It like. <laughs> You always know how to feel in this movie, and like mm -hmm. like Hitchcock, I think Spielberg is is a is a director who's like you're gonna feel the way I want you to feel because I know better, <laughs> and like yeah. this is the best experience <laughs> for this movie, and I'm all here for it. Yeah, yeah. The score the is same fantastic. Way, yeah, and in the same way, like the poster is exactly what it needs to be, like fun swimming and no idea that like a huge shark is underneath you coming from the darkness of the depths to bite you in half and is so was the tagline for this one not just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water because that's that's jaws probably too. jaws too yeah is but that... like that's also like iconic like being afraid to go in the water because of this movie yeah it's like this is the, like i mean like we kind of opened with this is the movie that launched a thousand phobias probably uh yeah they talk about that in that article my mom sent me oh um, yeah also, so many people are terrified of the ocean, regardless of sharks. Uh, and I just wanted to look up the stat because I was like, I feel like it's 80%, but 
that is, I was like, that's too high. But it's true, 80% of the oceans have not been mapped or explored, or even seen yeah. by humans. We're spooked. Checks out. <laughs> there is, there is, when I was in film school, um, there was a girl in this one class who mentioned, like, you know, I'm, I'm afraid of the ocean because when I was a girl, like, my parents showed me Jaws on a boat. And oh. I burst out laughing. <laughs> I mean, hard laughing like it was not appropriate. Because that is hilarious. So to this girl, I'm sorry. I know that you're not listening to this. Because, <laughs> like, why would you play the Jaws yeah. podcast? <laughs> but True. I'm sorry. I would still laugh today, but I'm still I, sorry. But I am sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you were right to laugh. That, I mean, that's like a funny circumstance to hilarious. hear about. Yeah. Also... I feel like I need to meet these parents because, like, what a baller move. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I kind of want to do that myself as well. Yeah. Where it's like, I mean, best case scenario, it's I vacation like a, with the wife yeah. and kids in Martha's Vineyard. Yeah. And we have fun there for, like, a day. And then we see Jaws. And I, then I, we make yes. them. I was telling, so we're doing, uh, my company is doing, like, a, a company cruise later this year. And I was talking to my boss about how I think I'm going to, um, download Titanic on my iPad and just like watch Titanic while I'm just like in my my, my room on this cruise and she was like you're insane and I was like uh huh <laughs> like, that's how I deal with shit I just like lean into it like I mean it's like, like watching a scary too. movie while you're home alone yeah yeah it or heightens the experience truly the fuck I'll watch Contagion at the beginning of the I watched pandemic. Contagion twice well, in March yeah. 2020 dumb <laughs> stupid I haven't watched it since and the Patrick Dempsey one what's that one called Patrick, Patrick Dempsey. Dempsey with the Ebola monkeys that, oh, that is not that is okay. not Patrick Dempsey yeah that's Dustin Hoffman no, Patrick, <laughs> excuse me Patrick Dempsey is in that movie is he really he's in the he's in the opening scenes he's the one who brings the monkey back and gets sick on the plane and gets everyone else sick. How dare you? <laughs> what? Re- remember mean... when Patrick Dempsey was like, Mrs. Robinson, are you trying to seduce me? Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is, oh my God, you're right. Jimbo is, yeah. Scott. Yeah, I am right. Because I'm sorry. at the time, that was the more interesting actor in that movie for yeah. me. Jimbo <laughs> Ebola Scott. Um, oh God. I also All right. not know he was in that. Um, um, would you guys watch this movie on an airplane? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I probably would. I mean, at this point, like, everybody's seen this movie. Not actually, but, like, if they haven't, like... Like you said, them. Matt, you didn't you didn't know all of the details of this movie, but, like, you were aware of this movie. Yeah. And for, and for Freddy, I think, like, the context, too, is, like... Oh. Well, I mean, one, it starts with full frontal nudity, so, like, would this be good to watch on a plane? But, like... But also, it's in Jaws. Terms of, like, People, that's fine. Yeah, I think, like, you know, people have different variety of plane movies. Some people want to, like, tune out for a short amount of time. Or some people want, like, you know, something that's comforting or, like, consistent or good. Uh, So, like, however you want to take the prompt. Yeah. Would you watch this on a plane um, as it stands? I think I'd be a little self-conscious about it for whatever reason. I think I, 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 because I always kind of feel like, for whatever reason, like, the kid on the plane is always near me. Yeah. You know? And, like, yeah. I don't mean in a way where it's, like, how oh, the kid's crying. Because, like, I always kind of feel like, well, no one likes listening to a kid cry. But, like, that kid's having a worse time than you are. Like, just, like, yeah. be an adult about it and relax. Yeah. But yeah. I always find kids, like, staring at me for whatever reason. And, like, I kind of don't want to be the guy to be like, eh? What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
as a man is getting like <laughs> pretty busy, right? <laughs> yeah. Counterpoint, company. Counterpoint. You could you could prevent the next Matt and Tierney. Like you could get a kid to watch this movie, and they don't have to wait until they're like thirty years old to watch this iconic movie. <laughs> True. I saw parts. Make it of even that. better. Like we share earbuds. Like here you yeah, go. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> Get in on this monologue. Yeah. yeah, the monologue. Be like, yeah. all right. Oh, this is the best part. Yeah, come on, come on, kid. This is what you need. Sometimes Shar go away. Sometimes it wouldn't go away. You know, like you just kind of want to be like. <laughs> oh yeah. God. Um, you ever heard of the USS Inter- uh, Indianapolis? Well, you get a almost said Enterprise. <laughs> I, I said almost said Enterprise. <laughs> Uh, would I you mean, guys spend time on this film set? Fuck yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I oh, mean, yeah. like, by all accounts, this film set was a fucking nightmare, but also, like, I would, like, yeah. yeah, like, this the is beach. one of the most iconic movies of they're all time. They're boats. Yeah, they're just, like, <laughs> hanging out on boats. They're in New England. New England's There's an dope. iconic set photo of Spielberg, like, in the mouth of Bruce. Yeah. Ooh. That's just awesome. Love it. <clears throat> yeah. I would, I mean, yeah, for Tyranny, it would be the beach, and for me, it would be... And swimming. That, and swimming, right. Yeah. Uh, but I would I would love to see Bruce uh, break water. Like, just, like, emerge. Yeah. And be like, holy shit. <laughs> like, this is crazy. So, I would do yeah. it as a time traveler. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, it's yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Hey, I just, I'm a big fan of this movie. I've seen it many times. What are you talking about? Excuse me, what? The, uh, <laughs> never mind. You'll see. It's, it's going to be a, be a big show. hit. First movie to ever cross $100 million. Uh, first real <laughs> yeah. modern-day blockbuster. Uh, yeah, gosh. Which... Spielberg's like, tell me your secrets. What else do you know? <laughs> I have a poster of Jaws on my wall, and I love Jaws so much that one night I was sleeping, and it fell off my wall, and I leapt up and caught it midair, and it was 4 a.m., and I was like, how did I do this? <laughs> I unconsciously love this poster. <laughs> it's just so deep within me that, like, as soon as I saw some peril I'm on this poster, sorry. I was like, no. <laughs> the spirit of Bruce. Oh, my out. God. Uh, which character would you be? I mean, Quint. But, yeah, Quint. Yeah. Freddy's got the voice down, so, like, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, Freddy, you have to be, you've been Quint on this episode already, so, like. <laughs> I don't think your business is back I, on a paying basis. Son, Brody's son. I could easily see myself. No, just oblivious to all of it. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I would. I think I'd be Hooper. I like. I like that character as like. I was like, oh, this would be fun to play. Of like, ex- just, just annoyed and frustrated at everyone around him, and also like a little rich boy, like Tierney said, just like a little, <laughs> a little prissy little marine biologist. He's a yuppie. He's a he's a he's a he's a hippie yuppie. Um, which is also like the perfect orchestration compared to Quint, you know, because it's like mm-hmm. they have that moment where it's like, let me see your hands, you know, you got city hands, we count money your old life, like, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the perfect ju- juxtaposition that's there. Um, yeah. You know, a character I really like that I haven't mentioned, and like, you kind of forget about him because he leaves the movie, but like, I love like the assistant police officer. Yeah. When like yeah. Brody like throws pebbles at the window, and he's like, hi. <laughs> he's just, I love that guy. <laughs> He's just so funny. I also love that, like, the whole first, like, major interaction you have with Brody is, like, as he's walking to, like, the like the hardware store to, like, buy stuff to, like, get crafts so that they can, like, 
make signs that the beaches are closed. And then he just, like, yeah. gives all this shit to that deputy. And he's like, well, make sure that she prints them. And he's like, well, what's wrong with my printing? Just make sure she does it. That's <laughs> 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 so funny. <laughs> oh, um, And then... Last one before the Oscars, the name of the, the Zoom link that I sent was, uh, we're going to need a bigger pob. I mean, classic. Uh, classic line for this movie, too. So many lines. <clears throat> the thing about this line, though, is like this this kind of borders on the line of like a Mandela effecty kind of line. Mm. The same the same way of like, you know, Luke, I am your father. Like, uh-huh. he doesn't say Luke, I am your father. He says, no, I am your father. And right. like, right. that line is not, we're going to need a bigger boat. It's... It's like it's not. I think we need a bigger boat. Or whatever. Yeah. It's like yeah. you, you're gonna need a bigger boat. Or whatever it is. It's like it's different than what everyone was quoting for, for like the sure. longest time. For sure. Yeah, I think he he says like right. Like I think he almost asked it as like we're gonna need a bigger boat, right? Yeah. It's something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You're it's amazing right. how those things catch on and how people could like misquote them when like we didn't have every movie at our disposal mm-hmm. all the time. You yeah. Know? Yeah, I just got passed around like telephone. Especially, like, the line that Bruce has where he's like, I'm Jaws! Like, that's yeah. not... Typically, everyone is like, yeah. <laughs> Mr. And now Big I'm going to rap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, the Academy Awards. So, Jaws was nominated for four awards. Cinematography? One three. Wait, Freddie, do you know the four that it was nominated for? Um, I... I don't. I think it won for editing, I believe. It did, yes. So it, it was nominated for four. It won three. Editing was one of them. Cinematography Score? One? Score was definitely the other one. One of the Incredible. other ones. And then Sound was the third. Hmm. It was okay. also nominated for Best Picture, but lost to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Hmm. Which right. I, don't then, I don't necessarily Milos have. Foreman, I think, won the Oscar for directing that. Yeah. That's and, not where my vote would go, but yeah. I mean, Grant, like, he's he's an artist, and that's a that's a that's a great film, so to speak. But like, there's a reason I've seen Jaws multiple times. I've only seen that movie once. Yeah, so, yeah. There he you wants go. To watch One Flew Over Cuckoo's Nest. So Spielberg wasn't even nominated for Best Director, which seems insane. Wow. It it really does. <laughs> yeah, but it's also his like second movie, which is also kind of notable that four nominations for like an early early yeah. movie is like yeah. This was kind of a uh, a signal that he would be around for a while. Also, since Tierney mentioned the cinematography, just the blue of mm-hmm. this movie, the constant soft blue in every shot, basically, is so like pleasant and so unique that like it really like the color that you think of when you think of Jaws is that like very like oceany sky blue, and that red. Of both blood and like the logo being like Jaws, yeah. It's so it's like that color palette is so great for the the movie. Whatever. God bless this movie. I love it so much. Thank you so much for finally watching it. No problem. <laughs> Thank you, Freddie, for yeah. uh, shaming me yeah. at home and being like, "You haven't seen Jaws." I was going to say like, like no. I can only shame Matt so much via text. So I'm glad that you were there in person to like really drive it home to be like, "No, man, it's time." I won. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I also pitched the idea of uh, a Fourth of July party that would be Amity Island, 1975, mm. uh, where we would all like dress up and stuff, which like could still happen. Not Fourth of July weekend, but uh, I did not do enough to plan it, and 
Still think it would be it's, a fun idea. It's going to take you some time to track down that dope, any, honestly, any of uh, Larry Vaughn's dope blazers. So, That's you know, this, po- this party's going to have to get postponed a little bit because I, I got to get those blazers delivered. To blazers. <laughs> I think at the party, I'm going to wear a one-piece women's swimsuit and go, Alex? Alex? Yes, there we go. <laughs> With a little bucket hat and glasses. Oh my god. Just the whole party and everyone's like, where's Alex? <laughs> Not a getting it at all. Yeah. I did think somebody should come in like the left shark costume from like... Oh, Katie from the Katy Perry? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just be Bruce as left shark. Oh, oh goodness. Shark, that's Jaws. That's Jaws. Shark. We did it. We did it. So, what have you guys been up to lately? been a while since we recorded yeah um i'll go first but i'm just gonna like fly through stuff because uh, i i have watched a lot and i'm just gonna say quick things about all of them i watched obi-wan all of obi-wan and it was perfectly fine just like most star wars things now be perfectly fine uh but if you don't watch it your experience of star wars will be unaffected uh <laughs> i saw the black phone perfectly fine it does exactly what it needs to do and nothing more and that kind of disappointed me because i thought it was going to be a little more surprising and it's basically exactly what the trailer says it's going to be which is fine it's perfectly fine uh cha-cha real smooth oh i haven't seen it yet it's good but you know it lacks some like stakes it's kind of just like like a pleasant hang um and i honestly Dakota Johnson is growing on me. I don't Uh-oh. know if I liked her, but I think the more I see her, the more I like her. In a way that, like, Kristen Stewart, I'm still not convinced. I still can't get on board. Dakota Johnson, there's something, like, genuine and kind of sweet about how kind of vacant she is. Uh, <laughs> I kind of like it. So How would you, com- how would you compare Cha-Cha Real Smooth to Shithouse? I think uh, Shithouse has more emotional impact oh. and i think cha-cha real smooth is kind of like fine again a lot of these things have been like yeah that's pretty this is not bad it's it's pretty fine um i saw elvis with freddie and we turned to each other so ma- i mean we were laughing so much in that movie and just checking in with each other at some of the craziest moments and then when it ended i was like this is what i'm gonna say i think i loved it but is it batshit insane Yes. Is it good? I don't know. But is it the best Elvis Presley biopic that we probably could have gotten? Probably? I don't know. It's a crazy, crazy movie. Um, Yeah, I don't know. If you want to say some thoughts uh, when you go, Freddie, you could. Or if you want to comment now, it's up to you. But Yeah, it's it's funny because, like, I... Sometimes I'll, I'll watch a movie and I'll feel... I'll really know how I feel about it, like the next day or something if it, if it sticks around with me because there's plenty of movies that I see that's like I'm gonna forget that I watched this movie, and I do. Um, but like there's something about Elvis where it's like the highs are high. Like what it does yeah. what it does well it does really well. It still feels to me like a car accident of a movie of like a good <laughs> movie and a bad movie hit each other. Yes. And you get two and a half hours of that. Um, just like the narrative choice of like the point of view character being the Tom Hanks Colonel Parker is very unusual and different and I think 
what it does is for a biopic about Elvis, I still feel like I'm at arm's length from the character. Like I yeah, don't know the yeah. character as much as I want to. After two and a half hours of a fast-paced movie, which is surprising, like, and I, I think Austin Butler crushes it. Um, I almost kind of feel like though he's missing, you know, for these like Oscar-y kind of roles, like he's missing that one scene where he can like really like chew his teeth into. So like when you're at the Academy Awards and it's like nominated, it's this person, this person, and they show a clip. Mm-hmm. What's the clip that they're going to show? Because like, and you you notice this in certain movies. Like I know like last year, well, there's past Academy Awards. Like I'm going to mention someone. It's going to be like, well, this is you know the sub headline of what happened. But like <laughs> when I watch the Will Smith movie, yeah, uh-huh. um, there's there's a scene or two where it's like, oh, this is your Oscar scene. Like in mm-hmm. in the movie he was in um, playing when he was in King Richard. It's like, yeah, this is this is the scene where you're really going toe to toe against Serena and you're really kind of pushing her and like this is that moment and like sure enough it is and like Mm -hmm. I think Elvis is the kind of thing where like stylistically it's doing some things that are really inventive and interesting and like some of the editing doesn't always work for me some of it's really incredible um I kind of I kind of still want more from this movie it is like unintentionally hilarious in places though <laughs> so Tom Hanks and like some of the stuff that he does and says <clears throat> you're just like what like <laughs> what is going on here it starts it starts the movie begins with a pan of a postcard with like kind of like this like kind of you know artsy drawing of Elvis on this postcard and then it keeps panning and you get Tom Hanks face photoshopped onto the body of a snowman what and that's the beginning of the movie and it doesn't let down from that level of insanity around tom hanks character because his nickname's the snowman that he gives himself and there's just constant references to snow and snowman and making it snow and snow jobs and freddie and i were just laughing every time uh and he's he's created several memes now uh, yes, just around the concept of the snowman <laughs> and saying I'm the snowman, and it's everyone is great. Huh. Okay. Uh, so yeah, Elvis, wild. Um, I saw Crimes of the Future, the new Cronenberg, which was weird and kind of slow, but overall pretty pretty good. Um, and like does a lot of stuff that I like in sci-fi, which is like, what if? Uh, kind of pushing, you know, what what would this reality be like? Um, so that was cool. Uh, I watched the animated movie Fantastic Planet. It's like a very old French animated movie. Uh, pretty good. Like, it, it holds up. It's it's uh, pretty creepy. Uh, it's like the art could be compared to, like, the Monty Python animated cutaways. Is that on Criterion? It's on HBO Max, but I think it is on Criterion. It's like a blue alien face with red eyes. Yeah. Um, it, like, it holds up. It's like a pretty... It is on Criterion, and I mostly just remember that artwork from the Blu-ray, because every single time I yeah. see it, I'm like, is this the time I buy this? I've it's never seen good. it, but I was like, is this... Like... Yeah. It's like a little over an hour, and it's a pretty good uh, <clears throat> kind of animated horror sci-fi movie um, that's pretty surreal uh, and cool. And then uh, I'm reading my friend's novel. She published a novel, and it's very good, and it's getting very celebrated. It's called Body Grammar. And it's very good. It's a queer love story uh, set in the modeling world. And it's great. Uh, and I'm uh, reading that right now. Uh, so I just wanted to shout that out. Jules Oman is the author. 
It's great. What's it called again? And the last body, body grammar. grammar. Body grammar. Okay. Body yeah. Grammar. Yeah, and we're um, supposed to uh, read it, buy it, but also request from our libraries, right? Exactly. Mm. Yes, I told Freddie we have to request it from our local libraries so that it helps with sales because every library purchase is a purchase. Mm -hmm. So you know, we have Yee. to do our local, and we have to make this book accessible to young queer kids who get free books from the library, like I did as a kid. Most of the books that I would get would just be the one gay Green Lantern uh, trade paperback where I was like, gay, gay people are in comic books? Um, as a very young Aww. boy. And the last thing that I'll say, and I'm not going to talk about this because I think there will be more opinions, is I saw Top Gun Maverick. Fuck yes! Was also incredible. So I'm going to not say that much because I know somebody else... Uh, has more to say about Top Gun Maverick. But that's what I've been up to. That's what I've been watching. Uh, who wants to go next? We can go to Freddie next, just because Freddie already, like, dipped his toes in during yours. So what else yeah. have you been up to lately, Freddie? Uh, wait, Matt, so your, your friend's book, are there any sharks in it? Um... I mean, if agents are sharks, then there's a ton of sharks. <laughs> Other cool. models yeah. are sharks. And also one, a shark in a suit named Bryce. Right. Well, I, I so I have also seen uh, Top Gun Maverick uh, three times now. Fuck uh, I, yeah! I, I need to see it a fourth time. I need to see it in IMAX before it goes out. Um, I, you know, I saw Elvis with Matt. We talked about that. There's a couple things that have just kind of come out. I saw Lightyear, which I I liked, but at the same time, it's like I don't I don't know why. Like, what are we doing here? This is kind of made and like it's yeah. you know like it's not it's not bad at all. I I like the movie. I could have liked it more. Um, I just sometimes like. For, for large companies like Pixar or anything, like saying yes to like a $100 million movie is saying no to another movie or two mm -hmm. other movies or three other movies. So like the way you're allocating funds and resources and like the people you have there, like I don't know that this is the best thing to do. And I don't know that... I believe the way Chris Evans even like spoke about the movie, it was like, no, 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 I'm playing the guy. I'm not playing the character. I'm playing the guy <laughs> the character was based off of. Wild. But when you go to see the movie... <laughs> It opens with a title card explaining, like, in 1995, Andy saw a movie. This is that movie. And it's like, that's not what Chris Evans said months ago. So, like, is that your way of explaining what the movie is? It's now different than what the original intention was. Because when you see the movie, while it's fun, I think if this truly was the movie that Andy saw in 1995, it would therefore be a bigger emotional roller coaster for a 10-year-old boy. So, like, it would be written a different way. And... Yeah. I don't think it really accomplishes that. Hmm. I think it's very kind of serious in tone, um, for lack of a better word. Um, but in general, though, I, 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 did, I did like it. I didn't dislike it, but I did like it. Um, the character of the cat is one of the better characters I think I'll see all year that actually like, is really good. And like, you think that the character socks, and the, the trailer might be annoying, but like, socks is great. I'm not even a cat person, but like, that character really is like the unsung hero of that movie. Good note. Um, good note. TV-wise, I started watching uh, The Old Man with Jeff Bridges. Oh, I've heard really good things. FX. Um, so I've only seen like the first two, um, and I, I didn't know who was behind the show, and I was watching, and I was like, this is directed really, really well, like, really confidently, and it's Mark Waters, who does like the Spider-Man movies, like the last three movies. Oh. And it's like, yeah, cool. It's, it's a different feeling, for sure, than like a Marvel movie, but like... A really confident shorthand in a way where it's kind of like, I'm going to do some longer takes here. I'm going to do some interesting things here that doesn't cut stuff together too quickly. And, and uh, Jeff Bridges is just always really great to watch. And like, yeah, as far yeah. as like a thriller espionage type 
story, it is that, but like their avenue into that world through this retired character is like a, a good take to it. So I've been mm. I've been enjoying that. Um, I've been like trying to check out a few things that's on HBO Max right now. I'm just I've been house sitting for like two weeks watching someone's dog who I know who's in Europe at the moment. So while they're having fun in Europe, I'm just like, let me watch The Accountant with Ben Affleck. Let me do that. <laughs> Which I have good things to say <laughs> I, uh, about. I actually think it was actually pretty good. Pretty big fan of that. Um, not a big fan of The Brothers Grimm, but hey, that's just me going through stuff. So been doing that. Um, been reading reading scripts i was supposed to read a script today i try to read 100 a year oh wow and wow. and my year is up today and i'm at 99 <gasps> oh shit <laughs> oh all right we know what you're doing later yeah. <laughs> I, I, but here's the thing though it's like i don't know if i really have to do that like i i don't know break free but huh? i want to break free <laughs> just from the from the the never mind continue I need you to be my hype man I'm not a very good hype man I need you to be my music Hype man everything So yeah I've just been doing that I've been doing doing some writing um, Like polishing up a piece That I've been working on for a little while As I'm developing something else And I I just I put that away for a little while I've since brought it out And just laboriously just been editing things And just like trying to find The most concise word choices possible To make things as As perfect as possible and that's that's always uh challenging and exhausting and it's way more fun to like develop new material so i have like <laughs> 200 pages of like just notes and ideas for like what my next feature might be like single space it's a huge document and i know in that marble slab there is a movie in there i know i just have to like chip away at it and carve it and beautify it um but this week i've been torturing myself to just kind of like I know I can cut like three pages out out of this thing. I know I can cut four pages. Like <laughs> you just, I don't know. But you but you do it because like that's how you get better. And like yeah. and like people yeah. who who quit too early um, never learn some of these harder lessons. And you just have to kind of try and see your work through an audience's eyes. And you kind of need to get to a place where you're like, it's not about me anymore. Like I need to take the notes I'm getting. If people are are thinking like. This rocks, this rocks, this rocks. Yeah, the second act pacing can be picked up. It's like, okay, let's pick it up then. <laughs> let's do that. So We wouldn't you know. have Jaws if Spielberg was gonna say, yeah. with all the trouble. <laughs> yeah. We wouldn't have Apocalypse Now if no, you wouldn't. Coppola died with any of the heart attacks that he had. On <laughs> One thing, if, you know, if anyone is, is embarking on creative endeavors amongst us or amongst the listeners... Like, one thing I heard this past year that I really stuck with me was, like, in everything that you've ever loved or read or watched, there was a moment where the creator was going, this is not going to work. I can't do this. Like, there's, there, was, there was a moment, and it's just like, I, I, I believe that. And I, I know in my own kind of work, there's moments where it's, where it's just like, this isn't going to work, is it, or whatever. You just keep pushing, keep kind of finding your way through, and then, you know, you give stuff to people to read and try and make it better, and that's... That's a lot of my life right now. It's a very, I'm very lucky to have that life. Because, uh, like, that's half the dream. Like, the other half of the dream is, like, making something like Jaws. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's, like, that's, like, after the fact. The other half is just, like, the lifestyle. Of, like, I get to work on stuff that I want to work on. So, yeah. very happy, very grateful. And the baton is being passed now. Colin, right. what have you been watching? Um, so, yeah, so it's been a while since we've recorded. I'm not going to 
list off everything, but um, some highlights uh, for all mankind. Third season is happening right now. Uh, very excited about that. They're going to Mars. It's dope. Um, I watched Girls Five Eva season two. It is so stupid, just incredibly <laughs> dumb. But also, many tears were shed because I was laughing so hard. So, if you have Peacock, cannot recommend Girls Five Eva highly enough. Um, I also watched Jackass Four Point Five. Shockingly good considering it was, like, the, you know, cast-offs from the movie that made it to theaters. Um, there is a specific part of the movie. I think it's, it's like, one stunt that I think legitimately from start to end is, like, 45 seconds long. But it is, like, truly the hardest I've laughed in a very long time. So, it's on Netflix now. It's, yeah, if you want to just, like, turn your brain off and laugh at dumb people doing dumb shit... Jackass 4.5. It's a good good <laughs> good way to go. I saw the new uh, Jurassic World movie, and it is trash, but it's not quite as much trash as uh, the last Jurassic World movie, so, you know, that's nice, I guess. Um, it's just... It's really dumb and really bad, and it's, like, rehashing a lot of the same stuff that we've already seen, and it's like, okay, it, it's been time for this series to go away forever, and now, now it can. Please, God, just go away. What a shame. Um, and then, I mean, really the only other thing I just want to talk about is just how much Top Gun Maverick fucking rules. Like, it's just so fucking awesome. And I have, like, no real love for the original. Like, I think the original's fine. Like, I think it's fun and dumb for what it is. But, like, I don't, like, have a strong emotional attachment to that movie. So I went into Top Gun Maverick with, like, pretty low expectations, but boy, did that movie just blow those expectations out of the water. It is so much better than it has any business being. <laughs> and like, truly all this movie needed to be was just like two hours of Tom Cruise flying airplanes really fast, and it would have been a success. And it has that, but then it also has like a, like a weirdly strong emotional core to it that like, yeah. like at a certain point I was like, watching this movie crying and i had like this moment of, i was like am i actually crying at a fucking top gun movie right now <laughs> turns out yes i i was um and my god it's so fucking dope i i loved it so much and i'm just i'm so happy that we finally got to see this movie and i'm glad like as annoyed as i was that they just like kept holding on to it i am very glad that they waited because it is the perfect movie theater movie like i saw it in imax and i was so glad that i was able to see it on a giant fucking screen in a, like a packed room with a bunch of other people who are all just like really jazzed to be there. Um, so God bless you, Tom Cruise for saving the movie industry and not much else, but like, thank you for that one thing, I guess. <laughs> um, it's so good. And he's in a stage of his, his career right now where he's so good and he knows exactly what people want from him and expect mm -hmm. from him that like, I, so I saw this movie, Top Gun, like on the 25th, like two days before it came out, like a semi-private kind of screening. And like, before the movie begins, it's Tom talking to the camera, addressing the audience. Oh. And no one... Wait, it was like I mean, that in ours, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they were showing okay. that in things. And like, that's the kind of thing where like, had that played in the movie 10 years earlier, people would have laughed it off the screen. But yeah. like, coming out of the pandemic... And, like, the last 10 years, his body of work, I think, has been the best work he's ever done. 
and I just love the man so much that like I I was I was totally game. And if you don't cry during Top Gun Maverick, you are dehydrated, get a Gatorade, um, you are going to pass out. Cry like the rest of us, like you know, like it's so good. Yes, it's, love there's it. There's so many things to say about the movie. It's just it's just incredible. Oh, bless it, Tierney. Um, so I actually haven't watched that much, so I can tell you everything I did because I've had no time. Uh, You've been voting around. Yeah, like I've a, just like been outside all the time. Um, I started to, like an resident. I started conversations with friends, um, the television show, and it was lovely at first to be like, "Oh, I've been there. Oh my god, it's taking me back." And then uh, it's not for me. Um, uh, <laughs> I watched Spider-Man No Way Home, finally. <laughs> Timely. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, I liked it. It was pretty good. I watched Top Gun Maverick, um, which I also really enjoyed. I thought it looked incredible. Um, I watched Mum, which is a BBC television show. Jim sent us an article about how women were like, all these older women roles are getting cast to Olivia Colman. And one of the people mentioned was Leslie Manville, who I like. Oh, bless. She, and the show um, picture for the article was from her show Mum, and I watched it, and it is uh, pretty great. And the writing is, uh, I think, top-notch. Like, fully laughed out loud, but it's also, like, a bit dark. Um, like, it opens with a uh, funeral. They're getting ready to go to a funeral for her husband. Um, so after is it a while- comedy? Or is it uh-huh. like a, like, what kind of show is Mum? It's, a, like, a dramedy. I guess uh, it just it's a small cast and it pretty much only takes place in a house and it's just these it's like a family and how they interact together but it's I think it's pretty funny it's probably mostly comedy but it's probably a dark comedy um, it's British yeah uh, it's really good I really enjoyed it and then to bring myself down uh, <laughs> from Top Gun <laughs> To humble myself, I watched Going Clear um, <laughs> for the first time, uh, and that is a fucking wild ride. Uh, and then I started Jackass 4, but I couldn't finish it because it was too much for me, um, and made me feel sick. <laughs> and then the last oh, thing no. I did was I watched um, Paul McCartney's uh, set at Glastonbury, and it uh, is great. Man still got it, and uh, yeah, he unfortunately, he like only toured in like Bumblefuck, New Jersey, for like three months. Um, so I still haven't seen him. <laughs> One day. One day. Someday. Soon. But it's Someday. a good. It's a good set, and because it's like um, the BBC like films them all. It's like not like you're just watching someone's iPhone. Like it's good sound <laughs> quality, um, and I enjoyed it. So. Anyway, that's all I've been up to for like the last two months. <laughs> I mean, just that's that not t- all you've been up to. You've been doing outdoor activities. Yeah, it's like it's oh, not like you're just sitting world. alone in your apartment staring at a blank wall. <laughs> like, Traveling around. I, I'm also currently reading Never Let Me Go by Kazao Ishiguro. Probably mispronouncing that, but um, it's pretty good. Moving through it entirely too slowly. Um, oh, I did read The Body Keeps the Score. Um, I listened to the audiobook for that, and uh, it's about like trauma in the body, and it mm. is uh, very good. Would recommend. Hmm. Interesting. I'll watch. Um, Did you say I'll watch? 
I'll watch. <laughs> I'll watch that audiobook. <laughs> I'll look at it. Um, no, he'll, he'll just look at a book. I was like, not open it. I'll just watch stare. it sitting on my counter, like on yeah. my shelf, just like, yeah, there it is. I see you. That's how I engage with literature. <laughs> I soak it in. Um, well, uh, you know, before we sign off, this has been a lovely holiday episode of Jaws. And thank you again to Freddie. Thanks, Freddie. Thank Kevin. you. It was a pleasure, and we'll have you on for the next uh, cool blockbuster. Iconic uh, film that you somehow haven't seen. If we had done <laughs> Top Gun Maverick. It's going to happen. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's exactly the vibe of a film festival. But, I mean, who knows? Maybe we do it for Rock Day. I don't know. What holiday would The Rock be appropriate for? So are we talking about know. Dwayne The Rock Johnson? No, 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 we're talking about the Michael Bay <laughs> the oh. Nicholas Cage movie. <laughs> Sean Connery got it. basically being Bond again. So, Tierney, you got something to, to say about that. Have you seen that movie, The Rock? I, that, that, that's, a, that's a movie that I love that I've mentioned Maybe. to Matt before. And he hasn't really seen it. I, was saying, I haven't I reacted seen it. much to it. But it's an action movie from the 90s, and so it's a huge cultural gap for me. <laughs> that and sports movies. Um but, uh, but yeah, thanks again for, for being on the episode. And uh, with that, I guess I'll just say, I'm finished!